Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 8. Six one. I, I kind of stumbled on that, Nick, because we did like this little in between. You called it six point six. I don't know five fifty nine point five fifty nine and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you did get that last episode, it was with Nate Heinold. It was actually really good information. Uh, go back and check that out. That was a good interview we were able to pull off with him. Uh, tonight we've lined up. I think three or four guests, or we got five. Like tonight's show is a culmination of like eight people or something. But Nick. Tell us a little bit where are you calling us from? <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm actually at the foundation studio, but tonight, unfortunately, my camera quality and my microphone quality is going to be a little bit off. The foundation guys uh, took all the stuff that we normally use for podcasting because they're doing some stuff down in uh, South Carolina this week. So, yeah, anyways, I have a laptop webcam going on right now and a laptop microphone. So it's just going to sound like I'm a guest tonight on my own show so hopefully everyone doesn't freak out you guys can roast me but yeah <laughs> nick's like first time caller long time listener matt i have a question yeah um so exactly. the the guests tonight are going to be sarah nicholson throw pink event um you got jonathan pool if you've never heard the name he's often referred to as jp uh he did a lot of stuff for innova for a long time including he's the tournament director the lead man down there for the usdgc um also we have my brother stopping in sometimes people say hey replace nick with josh so you get a little bit of that tonight 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 would have been a good night for it um he's going to talk about his 100 mile run initiative that's happening this weekend and he's raising money for the paul Macbeth foundation stay tuned for how to support that in studio say hi evan hey how's it going so evan's in studio again stat mando bringing us the stats um we've got and this is a lot of you see in the the title here Jeff Spring, uh, coming on later this this show, this evening of our recording, to talk about the announcement of all the events that are taking place in 2022. No, I say all. They haven't fully announced elite, Silver Series. series. Yeah. So, Nick, uh, you're you're from New England. Did you get to catch any mm-hmm. of that Patriots game last night versus Tom Brady and the Bucks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started watching at the middle of the first quarter um, because I actually totally forgot that it was on when I was watching a different show and I was like, holy crap, it's already like 8.30. So I put it on and then I actually, it's going to sound awful to me, but I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. Uh, So I ended up not (laughs) catching the whole game, but I did look at the score right when I woke up this morning and saw we just barely lost. So I was kind of upset about that, but at the same time, it was really cool to, you know, see Tom Brady again you know, see him break the all-time passing record and everything like that. So, I mean, it it, it was good, but I, I want to say, like, the Patriots had some mistakes. There was definitely one where we were, what, within 20 yards of scoring a touchdown, maybe even 10 yards or something like that, and the dude fumbled it, and I was pissed because, you know, you think, okay, we're at least going to get a field goal in this possession, and then whoever caught the ball got hit, fumbled it, Bucks recovered, and then they might have scored on that drive, too, afterwards. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, it was super close. I, I think the Pats are very close to, what are they, one and three right now? Yeah. When they're very close to being, like, three and one, or yeah. at least two and two. So I, I got high hopes for them. A lot higher hopes than they did last year. So that's good. 
Thank you for that report, Nick. We're going to come back into studio now, everybody. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> a sideline yeah, right? reporter. Um, yeah, I'm just a sideline reporter down in Florida or up in Massachusetts right now. Okay, and then generally the news today, Facebook was down. I, I don't know how much people are on Facebook now, or I think Instagram too. I mean, where do you get your news anymore if you don't have that? I mean, they they're telling me what's real and what's not real, anyways. I don't know. Yeah, all right. But it just popped back up. I think we shared a promo for this recording already. I think it's over on Foundation Pod or Foundations Facebook and Instagram. And then finally, as we jump into this, it's in my opinion fall season. Like it's made it. I've went out and picked apples with my family. I don't think that's just a New England thing. I think it's probably wherever you have apples, but there is something special about the cool air, picking apples, smelling the apples. My wife makes amazing things with the apples. So I'm just here to ask you, Nick and Evan, what is your favorite apple dessert? Is it like um, apple dumpling, apple crisp, apple pie, some other apple thing that I don't know about? Like, what is it for you if you had to pick an apple dessert? What are you going with, Nick? So there, I think it was the uh, apple orchard out in East Brookfield. Growing up, we, my family, we would always go there. And at the end of the day, after picking apples, uh, we would get apple crisp and some vanilla ice cream with it. And that's mm. easily my all-time favorite fall apple food to eat. And then on top of every single year, what September and October would be like the fairs around the area. And then the caramelized apples. Those were always, those are two of my favorite apple products. Oh, good point. <laughs> oh, you say, yeah. okay, here we go into the, the, the yeah. name thing. You ready? Is it caramel or caramel? Caramel. Okay. I feel like you're adding an extra A to that, too. Yeah. Even. I mean, gyros and caramel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, it's like, uh, what's the other one? Like crayon versus crayon. When people say crayon, I'm like. <laughs> well, here's a wild one. Did you know New England people say Reese's Pieces instead of Reese's Pieces? <laughs> Reese's. Blew my mind. Uh, we've oh. been saying it wrong this whole time. I've never time. thought of it like that, but yeah, I've always called it Reese's Pieces. <laughs> yeah. Is it not? No, it's Listen. not. I say say Reese's Pieces personally, but you're right. When I came, when I grew up, yes, people said Reese's Pieces. That's fine. You you can make fun of us for saying Reese's Pieces, but when people ask me like where I'm from in Massachusetts, they're like, oh, how close are you to Worcester? And I'm like, where's the H? Where is okay. the H? Like, why does anyone ever call it Worcester? Okay. we. I love this talk, yeah. but we got to get on to Evan's answer so we can talk a little bit. USD yeah, caramel apples. Good point. Caramel Good point. apples. Okay. <laughs> and I forgot about candy apples. So let us know your favorite. People came for the disc golf. We've already wasted seven minutes of their life. Let's get on with it. Um, so USDGC stats. This isn't a free this is a free for all for the next 13 minutes, which sounds like a long time, but on the Nick and Matt show, it's not that long. So let's go ahead yeah, okay. and talk. USDGC. Let me start it out by saying the winners, because Statmando put this together for us. Evan's in here. He can kind of tell us things interesting that he found, but I'm just going to read you a list here through from 1999 up till about 2007. There was only two or three people winning. It was Ken Climo, Barry Schultz, and Dave Felberg. And Ken Climo, arguably the most wins in that eight-year period. Then it just changes up, except for two other names, Will Shustrick and Paul Macbeth. But here are the other names. It's, uh, so I already said Felberg can climb. Okay, so Nate Doss, Nico LaCastro. I always feel like that name, he, he has done some great things in disc golf in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Shustrick, three. Steve Brinster is an outlier. Jeremy Colling, an outlier. Nate Sexton, James Conrad, Chris Dickerson. We've been seeing a lot of parody with the winners here. 
Uh, do you think that's going to continue? What did you find in the stats, Evan, that you discovered? Or Nick, speak up whatever you have for like your predictions. <laughs> no, go ahead, Evan. Yeah, I mean, the, over the last five years, there's been five unique winners. You got to go back to Paul McBeth in 2015 to have a repeat winner when he won in 2015 and 2018. I think USDC is one of those courses where it's like, the best player comes out on top, but it's also kind of craziness where you just see a lot of different winners, a lot of people in the fight. Obviously, it's known as a lefty and forehand friendly uh, course. Uh, something interesting I noticed is Nathan Queen, last three events, has three top 11 finishes. Uh, went 11th, 9th, and then 10th. In the You're last saying three years. last three USDGCs. Sorry, yeah, the last three USDGCs. So mm. 2018, 2019, 2020. Uh, oh, is that because, and I'm just cutting people off because this is a free for all for a little bit here. He's lefty, right? Yep. And this course seems to play friendly to forehands, lefty players. It seems that way. Mm-hmm. Eagles played pretty well. Yeah, he was, I think, either leading or like lead card for a lot of last year, two years ago. I forget, but he, he's he's made a name for himself uh, at this event, and I, I could see him just up there as well. You know, I don't think he's been super notable this year at other events, but uh, I wouldn't mm. be surprised if he's near the leaderboard. But I got to say, the sneakiest name on this is Ricky Wysocki has not won this event but arguably might be the best player at this event the last five years. Uh, the last six years, sorry, excuse me. His oh. last five events out of the last, he, he missed one year, like 2018 or 19 or 17. I forget which year. Um, but he has finished in the top five every single time of the last five times he's played USDGC, which no one else has done. Uh, he's, he's been right in the fight he, every time. He just hasn't won, but he sets up perfectly for this course as well. Yeah, he was actually doing really well back in 2016. I'm pretty sure he almost was catching up to Jeremy Colling. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the year that he got the ace on hole 17. Um, so he definitely was making a stride at that event. But back in 2016, for the people who don't know, uh, the last round was canceled due to severe weather conditions. So Jeremy Colling won the event after three rounds. But yeah, I think one of the biggest names never winning this event is Ricky Wysocki, especially for, like you're saying, how well he's done at this event. I think Eagle McMahon has been, you know, pretty close. I remember one year he was leading it by a few strokes, and then 888, he said it, 888 ate all of his birdies. 888 ate all of his birdies. We do do talk about how this tournament does set up very well for lefties and forehand players, but at the same time, if you look back, Will Shushrick back then arguably had one of the best backhands, can throw a forehand when need to, um, but he never really relied on it too much. But I think if you go to someone and you watch all the 2013 coverage, if you watch Steve Brinster play it, I don't know if he throws a single forehand off the tee. And so that's, you know, I love that. I remember back in 2013, we were all religiously watching the scores because Stevie's one of our favorite players. And when he won that event, I think he's probably the name out of everyone on the list that was you know, not the biggest surprise, but at the same time, the biggest, like, you know, I bet you no one picked him to win it that year. And then he came out and won the event. So it's awesome. Oh, and James Conrad won two years ago. And so. he's not obviously not lefty. Yep. But these players that are winning, not lefty or forehand strong. And I mean that like Eagle has both, but like that aren't forehand strong are players who are like way above average with their backhand. Like yeah. they have yeah, to, oh God, yeah. they have to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's awesome. It's just saying you can do it. Uh, so moving the conversation just a little bit, uh, Statmando put together for us um, best rounds, if you will, over the last how long? Ten years? Or oh, just this is general, all time. Of yeah. all time. 
And it does go back, though. You do see back to 1999. There is a, a good rated event, a rated, however you're doing this here. Do you want to explain really quickly? Yeah, I was, we were just messing around with a few different things. We had a lot of ideas on how to, you know, kind of find best rounds. Um, obviously, we have our rating system, uh, you know, which I think is in a, a very good way to do it. Maybe not perfect. Um, but what I did here is I took the the average round score for the top 30 finishers just to only factor in them, kind of how much you kind of got above everyone else who did well at that event. Um and so you, if you just had an exceptional round, but then a bunch of other good players had really good rounds because the bottom of the field kind of brought you down, uh, just kind of ignoring that factor. Okay, so you took the top 30 finishers at each event. At, at that year's at event. At that year's event, and yep. you got the average score. So that's even better than the average. So like usually I'll yeah. see like um, strokes gain T to green or whatever. That's based off of the average player or the average whatever, right? This yeah, that's you're the whole saying, field. Top 30 average. So yeah. that's even more impressive because that tells me when I look at this, Paul Macbeth, number one here, it looks like he shot what, like 10 strokes better than like the average of the top over 30 10 players. strokes better. And than, what was that? 2014? Yeah, that was 2014. Yeah. Uh, round one. He shot a 53. Ooh. The average score was a 63.16. Not the average score, the average of the top 30. The average score of the top which 30. Which is even finishers. more impressive. Yeah. Wow. Which is, yeah. So, yeah, and I look at this list, you have what, like 27, 26 names, 25 names yeah, on here? I think it was top 25, yep. And Paul Macbeth's name, is, as you would expect, comes up probably more than anybody's name out of these top 25. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that tells you, except to say that he plays a lot of really good rounds. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so, like, he could come out and do that again here. He would love to have that three-peat. Did you see his social media? He said, like, I'm the one who, like, set this standard for myself. Now it's time to go out and, like, do something about it. Yeah. That's that's yeah. big. Like, you're not wrong. You're not really stepping up right now. So um, anything else stand out about USDGC um, that is worth talking about? And I don't mean, like, the news about the sticks on hole nine or, like, players' opinions on it. Yeah. Um, just generally, uh, USDGC, the history of it. It's been at the same venue, except for one year there was a different, not venue, performance edition what's the lowdown on that because i remember that year but i wasn't like super keen into all the details it was all like handicap or something yeah it's pretty much a handicap system I, I i didn't really follow it then i got into the sport after that but from what i've heard it seems like they kind of based on your player rating your pdga rating they kind of gave you like a, a handicap of what you would expect it to shoot and how well you did above or below that um so i Oh, I just saw the name of who won that. Uh, I think it was John Key. Does that sound right? Maybe I'm just uh, John Key. That's what I feel like I remember. Oh, Maybe yeah. that, that that I have right? no idea. I don't know either, but I remember it was some like random off like, winner. Uh, yeah. So they won in 2011. So we're it's just kind of a different year. So uh, when we factored in, you know, the winners, we want to keep it from like the, you know the o I think they call it the open flight or um, I think that's what it's called. So we did all those winners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's they never did that again <laughs> we well, gotta, i think they did it on the but, side yes but not yeah. the pro side not like yeah mpl yeah because i remember i remember page won one of the performance flights events that they held there um i'm not sure if it was that same year or a couple years after that but i do feel like i remember hearing that page has won one of the performance flights there uh but at the same time that was before i really got super super involved in watching the top professionals yeah, I remember the basics of it because we had people local up here going to compete and like finish like top five. And I'm like, that's incredible. But I remember now it's based off of like 
however they gave you the handicap. I don't remember enough to talk mm-hmm. about it. There's people out there yelling at their podcast right now going, stop talking if you don't know enough about it because uh, maybe they know more, which is fine. Um, but I, I, the question still exists, Nick. You brought this up last week. Maybe we'll ask Jonathan Poole about this later. Like, And we've talked about this last year, I think. was like, will the event ever outgrow Winthrop? And should it? Should Innova like invest... $10 million, buy a piece of property and work on it and make it the most amazing course ever that's theirs. It's for USDGC. Incorporate some nostalgic holes, maybe similarities, all of that. Mm-hmm. But maybe that, I don't know. That's another talk for another time. You have any closing yeah. thoughts on USDGC for now, Evan or Nick? Nope, I'm excited. Uh, I'm super excited to see some good disc golf. I mean, uh, one of the things that we will probably have to talk about later is how even if you're a Disc Golf Network subscriber, it is still a pay-per-view event in order to watch it live. Mm. Um, I'd be curious to ask Jeff about if there's any post-production going on or anything like that, kind of pick his brain about the whole media aspect of it. But um, no, I'm just excited to follow along. And I might head down there Friday, maybe Saturday for Championship Saturday. I'm not too sure yet, but... You know, I'm excited to also see who did not qualify for the event throughout the year and is trying to qualify at the Monday qualifiers. Yeah, you got to believe it's a tough or not tough. It's been a busy day for JP and Sarah Nicholson. We're going to have them on here in just a minute. We'll start out with Sarah in just a little bit here. Um, But before we get to that, we've got somebody back that we want to talk about. Here we go. Everybody, Hempfield. Hempfield CBD uh, Botanicals is awesome. Disc golf wears and tears on the body. This is a product that I discovered thanks to them getting involved in disc golf. Hempfield Botanicals, CBD product. I'll kind of hold it up here. Ooh, let me go to my um, my main screen here so you guys can see it well. This product is probably my favorite right here. Um, it's kind of bright in these lights. But man, you feel sore, inflamed, tendonitis on my arm. I put it on there. It starts to feel good almost immediately, which is incredible to me. I love the smell of it. And Nick, I have something else in my hand that you always talk about. I'm not like... I do. I, that's, what, that's what I was going to bring up was the chapstick because I actually just ran out of it recently. Um, so I'm going to have to hit them up and see if I can get a nice little care package again. But I actually... So I met the owners of Hemphio Botanicals up in Vermont. And then I hooked up with the guys who are supporting the show. They're the ones that reached out to us or you reached out to them. And so I was able to finally meet all of them and just talking about how awesome it's been for them supporting us and getting into the sport of disc golf. And they were all super excited with everything going on, Uh, but their product's awesome. I actually had a tournament out in Leesburg a few weekends ago and Hannah and I were actually talking about just different aches and joints pains. And instead of popping the normal ibuprofen that I did, I used the stuff that Matt was just holding. And then we also got a little canister of some cream that is used for almost like specific areas. And so that I actually put on my lower back, which, you know, where my hip meets my back almost is, probably what's the most sore in my disc golf life right now. And it, I felt like it did work. I didn't play well, almost maybe because my body felt too good. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. All right, Nick, but, you're uh, taking it too no, far. Stuff, yeah, no, it's, this stuff actually, it, it worked well. It is incredible. I'm actually putting it on right now on my wrist that gets this tendonitis feeling. Um, it's ex- extremely awesome. It's recommended by physicians, orthopedic surgeons, neurologists, physical therapists. I've used all of those. They're recommending it. Um, this is an incredible product. And I saw them as well at MVP at their booth there. And I'll tell you what, they've got all these different drops you can do. Things for anxiety, things for sleeping, things for w- almost anything. 
And I'm a skeptical person of this stuff, but the experience that I have with the current product I'm using leaves me feeling like I need to purchase more from them. And I think everybody should. If you use the code Nick and Matt, you're going to get 20% off your order. Nick and Matt, that is a code you do not want to forget. If you're going to purchase CBD products, go do it from uh, hempfieldbotanicals.com. Nick and Matt code. You will, I'm serious. If you're not satisfied, let me know. And I'm not refunding you, but I'm sure they'll do something to help you out because the products are working for me. All right, Nick, let's go ahead. At this point, we've got a guest lined up here in the virtual green room, actually been sitting next to you for a little while in this virtual room. Mm -hmm. um, let's go ahead and bring her in. Um, Sarah Nicholson, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, I was actually sitting here wishing I had time to get some chapstick, and then you started your advertisement for the chapstick, and now I really need it more. <laughs> Can we virtually apply chapstick here at Hempfield Botanicals? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, awesome. We're glad to have you on the show. I don't think I've ever had the pleasure to meet you in person, but I've been sure that I've heard about your name a lot. Throw Pink has been really taking off over the last years. Um, and the Throw Pink event, tell us about this Throw Pink event um, just in general, what, what is it? And then we got some more questions for you. Okay. Well, you know, we held the women's national championship here last year, um, because it was the only women's major that happened due to COVID and all that craziness. And the U S championship, U S women's championship actually started at Winthrop, um, at the same time as the men's, and then it moved around for years. Um, but after last year's event, um, it was, you know, such a success and it was so much fun having the ladies here. Jonathan approached me and said, you know, let's keep the women coming. Would you want to do something with Throw Pink? And I was like, yes, you know, absolutely. Dream come true. Um, so we decided to do it. It's kind of, um, it's only an A tier. I say only an A tier, but it, it's, it's a big showcase event. Um, it's going to have good payout. It's going to have good, you know, good media for the women. And in addition to what we're doing for the pro women, we also do a big clinic uh, with amateur women at the end of the event. So it's pretty cool. They get to come and watch the pros play all week. And then on Sunday, um, many of the pros are going to come out and teach them to play. So it's, it's really cool, really full circle. And we're also raising money for breast cancer. So charity, the future of disc golf and helping the pro women um, get where they deserve to be. So, yeah, that's awesome. And then can you kind of talk about the, you were saying the media is going to be good for this event. Is it post round? Is it going on disc golf network? What is the media? Where can people watch this event if they want to? Um, yeah, so it's still, it's set up with the USDGC. So it's going to be on disc golf, uh, disc golf network. Um, it is part of the pay-per-view uh, you know, subscription that people get. So you'll get the women's coverage and the men's coverage. Um, it's two different broadcasts with two different broadcast teams. So that's really cool. Uh, we have Hannah and Juliana doing the women's side of it. And there will be um, pros production. I'm not sure if they've announced this yet. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, but they didn't tell me not to. So um, Elaine will be doing Elaine King and um, Corey will be doing the post-production um, footage so lots lots of good stuff i'm sure yeah, i'm not sure if i was supposed to drop that but it's too late now it's too late now we uh <laughs> it's the right time to do it it is the right time to do it we're glad that you did that um so breakdown you talked about you know previous years what's going on the build up for this event can you just tell us how the competition is going to take place this week like the rounds courses like what that's going to look like 
Yeah, well, so, you know, the women are playing on the same, you know, obviously at Winthrop with the men, uh, but Andrew Duvall, he has taken over the course design from his dad, Harold, who did it for years, and he does a spectacular job. Like, the layout last year really gave the women a challenge, but then was tailored more towards their game, so they got the Winthrop Arena experience, but, you know, for the women's game. This year, he's tweaked some of the holes, you know, as they do. The women are getting the same treatment as the men, so they're getting the, the USDGC tweaking that happens from year to year. Uh, but the women will compete um, same days as the men, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, they will tee first and their broadcast will be first and then there'll be a bit of a break and then the, the guys broadcast will will start after that. Awesome, so cool. they are doing live for the women and it's not a modified layout, is that correct? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by modified. Some, there's some different tees and some different okay. baskets. So okay. it is it is different if that's what you mean by that. Okay, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to make sure I was clear. I remember playing the course a few days ago and you can see some of the areas where there's either a different basket or I've seen people's Instagram posts to where, you know, their tee pad may be further off to the right, maybe a little bit more up the hill. And stuff yeah, like that. yeah. So, like on 13, I, I think the women's tee is cooler on 13 because they get that elevated. Oh, yeah, the top of the hill. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I thought the same thing. I thought that was a very cool shot that Innova posted, I think, Maria and she was throwing down. it. I thought that was a very yeah. cool shot. And 13 is the one that Nico got the eagle on, correct? The big eagle. Well, the albatross. Oh, the albatross, yeah. yeah, so even bigger, yeah. So I'm just vision, envisioning the hole in my head. Um, so what's your favorite part of this event? Like, as a TD, uh, you are the TD, correct? Uh, well, they call me event director. Okay. Because I'm basically, you know, the PGA is helping out a lot with the scoring and stuff like that. So I'm just helping with the event uh, directing. Okay. But So in all this planning and all the years that you've done this, how many years have you done it? Well, I mean, that's actually uh, a funny story. So this is my first time being, um, I don't know if it's really funny, actually, but it's a story. <laughs> it, um, <laughs> it's my first time, like, really being behind the scenes and getting to experience uh, everything that goes into it. I have worked at the USCGC since 2017, but I was basically just like a pro shop cashier. So I knew all about the retail merchandise, but I couldn't really tell you anything more than the fans knew about everything that went into it. So I'm pumped. I've got a huge, uh, you know, look at what how what goes into making an event like this happen. I mean, I worked for the PGA for years and helped them run their world championships. So it's not my first experience with a big event, but it, it's my first real experience, you know, getting a look at how USCGC works and what these guys do and, and girls do to pull this amazing event off. Are there any aspects of what's happening at this event that you're already looking to change for next year? Or are you kind of seeing how this week plays out and then taking all that at the end of it? Yeah, well, I'm, ta I'm taking notes. My notepad's actually already quite long. Um, the one thing I do know for sure that I want to change is I want the women to do Monday qualifying. I think that the women should do it just like the men do. Um, we ended up with some spots that were just open, so people got in off the wait list, which is great. I'm excited to have all the women here. Um, but I think that we should do a Monday qualifying, um, and everyone should qualify to get in. I think that would be really cool. I don't think that's done in our sport uh, anywhere. I, I could be wrong. I could be missing something. Someone will correct me, but... I'm going to roll with it for now. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> and I know you've been on other interviews and podcasts and it's really ramping up. This is the week of the event. Um, Nick, that was a really great question. I'm complimenting you on the air. I like that. Uh, thinking ahead already, what you might like to change based off of what you're going through right now. Um, is there any, I think our friends over at Smashbox asked you if you ever think it might be a major, but I think my question is more refined on that saying, Will the name Throw Pink stay, or if one day it did change, would it turn into something more in lines with 
the championship or United States. Is there any plans to do that if it comes or are you just saying, no, this is it? I mean, I don't know. I like, I guess it doesn't really matter what the name of the event is, as long as it's something that's prestigious and great for the women and good for the women's game. I, I mean, all I can say is I know that I want to continue to run an event for the pro women. They deserve it. I have the resources and the time and the will to do it. And I've been helping women at all levels of the game. So this is my first time helping the pro women and I've enjoyed it. And I know that we could do so much more. I mean, you've got to You've got to get the professionals out there so that the young girls know that women play and we need to put more resources behind that. And I'm here for it. And whatever we need to call it to make it happen, I, I guess it, the name is just the, is just the name. So Yeah. Okay. So realistically, coming down to our last question here for you, and we'll let you share whatever you'd like after that. But what I don't think, based off of what I'm hearing, you're saying that it has. But let me ask the question. Has the event reached its pinnacle in your mind? How do you envision it growing and expanding over the coming years do you have like a dream vision of what it could become minus doing a monday qualifier that's cool like a bigger picture have you dreamed up things and just what what do you see yeah i mean first of all more than 40 women deserve to be here and as our sport grows that number will also continue to grow so i see it you know more people being here it being bigger for the women um just having more maybe an amateur event alongside of it so you know not at the same time but like it's kind of like how the lpga does it they do like a big thing where they their resources go into the future generations but then they also have a big prestigious event for the pros as well so i just see it growing i mean i want to raise more money for charity i want to raise more money for the women i mean we can make such an impact with this event because we're doing so much already in one week if we could get more resources behind it and more women here we could make an even bigger impact I know that was kind of a vague answer to your question, but I'm just saying the sky's really the limit and uh, we can do so much. No, that's a great answer. I think, you know, <laughs> you're going to keep dreaming it and keep doing it. And you seem to be that passionate person that's driving that well. Um, definitely keep that up. Is there anything that we missed? Because obviously we're not talking a lot here about this right now. Is there anything that we missed, though, that you think would be beneficial for people to hear about that's on your mind? You're like, hey, I want to make this announcement. Maybe something special that's happening this week that maybe a few thousand people will hear on the show and it'll help you out. Oh man. Well, Anything? I mean, just, you know, <laughs> check out the Thrifting website, watch the women, you know, the women are on TV. They need to be watched too. They deserve to be watched. Come out if you can. I would love to have you out. And, and if you have a, a woman or a girl in your life that you would like, to teach disc golf and you don't know how to get her involved, come to throw pink. I mean, I help people with that all the time mm -hmm. and I would love to help the women in your area um, as well too. And also I have to shout out my dad and grandma. They're my biggest fans. Awesome. <laughs> Nick, that's gotta be up there with the best shot. One of the best shout outs we've ever gotten. So I mean, honestly, I think that might be the best. And Nick, her audio is better than yours tonight. I'm sorry. You know, what's, what's so funny is I was actually going to say that when she started speaking, because I, normally I have a microphone and a nice setup and everything, but the people who uh, I use their studio, they're actually down in South Carolina doing stuff down there. And so I got stuck with just my laptop audio. So you'll, I'll get roasted tonight and you'll look like a star yeah. on the show. Just because well, I love so the funny. brick ball though. The backdrop is awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very urban. Very sturdy. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're really glad to have you, Sarah. Uh, we are actually going to get on. I don't know if you call him your boss for this event, but Jonathan Poole, we're going to have him on next. So um, we're glad to have you on the show. Good luck and success for all you're doing this week and the future years. I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point, um, but have a great evening. Right, thanks so much. You. Thanks for having me. All right. No problem. Take it easy.
Peace out. All right. So Sarah Nicholson, I learned a little bit and I'm glad that I learned a little bit. Um, everything from she's the event coordinator or director, um, not the TD, um, just the history of the event. This is her first year doing this full time. All those kinds of things. Did anything stand out to you, Nick? That uh... Uh, well, I, I really liked her idea of the Monday qualifiers because I know originally the plan of this event was to have everyone qualify for it. Same way as USCGC. Um, I don't think all the spots had gotten filled up, and so they ended up opening up registration. But I think as this event grows and everything, like players will start signing up, more women will start signing up for the event. And so there will eventually be a need for the Monday qualifiers. So I think I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, she's motivated to do this as well. She's like, I have the time, I have the resources. It's mm -hmm. like, this is an event that I'm passionate about. And she's doing a good job with it. She's getting... she. I like that she's like more than 40 women deserve to be here all that so she is definitely going to be an advocate and a voice for them um exactly so that is great to see on the fpo side you you need these voices you need people who are passionate mm -hmm. about it i mean hannah Macbeth, christine uh you got i'm thinking of all these names there's a whole bunch of names but it's important that they are there um yeah all right nick we are doing a lot tonight we are really trying to get um, as much information out to the masses as possible. And I'm over here. Yeah. I don't want to say scrambling, but I am well, scrambling. So I'll, I'll talk a lot then. I was going to say this. <laughs> okay, we are lined up. So also... when you finish, we're ready to bring them in. Okay, cool. Well, I was going to say, I do like how it is separate streams, but if you buy the Disc Golf Network pay-per-view package for this weekend, you do get access to both the streams, whether it's the FPO or the MPO. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I've always enjoyed the separate streams more than bouncing back and forth between MPO, FPO. So I think that was a very cool thing that they did. I agree. I actually, I was going to elaborate on that too. And that stood out to me hearing that was like, yes, like, I just love yes, that. I know it's exactly. a lot of time and resources, but I do love the separate feeds. And Agreed. we've got the man lined up who can tell us about it. But I think there's always been something about keeping the championship as, they, as they've coined it, the USDGC, its own thing. And mm -hmm. on purpose or not, it is what it is. But let's go ahead and bring them in. Everybody, Jonathan Poole, welcome to the show. Hey, I don't know if he can hear us. Maybe he can. Hey guys. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> can you hear me? And or do we have a 30 second delay for, you know, uh, censoring purposes? Um, I can hear you just fine. Okay. I mean, I think our uh, our hotel has filled up uh, with excitement and people. And uh, so my, my internet signal here might not be as strong as it would have been last week, but uh, hopefully it'll work out for us. It seems like it's working out so far. So welcome to the show. We appreciate you coming on on short notice and just being able to pick your brain about USCGC this week. So I'll let Matt start it out. Sure. Um, yeah, we've saw, we've seen, and I've listened to, because I'm an avid disc golf media guy, and I listen to all the pod, not all of them, a lot of the podcasts. I've heard some of your interviews. Um, I'm hoping to maybe tackle some of those again, maybe take a little different look at some of those. Um, and and in full disclosure, I know JP. We've talked before. My son's competed at, at majors, and um, he's out there supporting all the players, especially especially team Innova players. And so we do have that, but I'm not going to let them get away easy tonight, everybody. <laughs> JP, I'm sorry. No, here we go. You have a great team. You've talked about it. Um, how busy are you this week of the event? And has anything unexpected happened so far? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say anything unexpected that's out of the ordinary. There's always things happening that maybe you didn't quite see, uh, quite see coming. That's just the nature of getting a lot of people together. 
Um, but, you know, we've got a great team. I mean, we've got 150 plus on staff at one course, and many of them have been with me the whole way. Um, you know, so you're talking about decades upon decades of experience and, um, and all at this same venue. Um, and huge support from university um, and the city of Rock Hill. So, I mean, everything that, you know, might might have caught us a little off guard so far, we've handled, I think, gracefully and, you know, kind of kind of what I would expect. You know, I mean, we, we've done this a long time. I mean, 23 years in a row, and this is the 28th major at, uh, at Winthrop. I've been a part of all of them. So, man, if we can't do it by now, then something's up. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, so... You've outsourced the USDGC live broadcast for many years. Uh, this year, the contract actually was announced that it's going to be DGN doing their media side of it. What kind of led to this de decision? I know last year you guys used Volcrum. What kind of led to the decision of going to Disc Golf Network versus another company? Well, I mean, the you know, we sort of pioneered video coverage and, and live coverage at the USDGC back from the dot tracking many years ago and radio shows and uh, we did post-produced content and then we got into live and, you know, we were always looking to get better and better and provide a product that was um, worthy of the quality of the people that are playing. I mean, the pros and the storylines and, and the game itself. And so there for a while, you know, disc golf media needed to catch up. And so we actually took a couple of years off and saved up a little bit of money and hunted and found and, you know, kept hunting until we found, Luke Johnson and, and his team, which was Fulcrum at the time, and um, they had an ultimate background. So we sort of had a natural connection there. And I remember saying, you know, Luke used the word storytelling as kind of a point of emphasis on what was really important to them. And the combination of like where his heart was and what they were attempting to bring to the table and, and another flying disc sport and just the fact that they didn't know they knew of disc golf. They didn't know that much about it, but um, it just it just clicked. Um, and so, you know, the first year we did, it wasn't pay-per-view with them. We figured, well, we got to prove it. So we're going to do some testing and do the best we can. So we kind of did the whole 17 live show and that was a stream. And, you know, it, the, the pay-per-view decision was just, we knew we needed more. We needed more funding, um, and, you know, to kind of get to another level. And it really has always been about better better quality everything you know better better talent better equipment more people taking good care of the people that we have and um you know we needed we needed help and the other part of that is whether it's with our athletes or with our events you know i've, I've always been pretty determined um to refer to our especially our top pros as athletes i want them to see themselves as that and carry themselves and think of themselves as professional athletes and you know, pros don't play for free. They don't, you know, it's like, it just, it just seemed consistent with other professional sports that, you know, like we're legitimate now. Like I want to see it get to that level. And so having the fans participation, the fans investment, and, you know, that's kind of where we got to pay-per-view. Um, you know, I landed on Vimeo because that was the premier um, platform to do pay-per-view broadcasts. And so we entered into a two-year agreement with them. At the same time, we entered into a two-year agreement with Fulcrum. And then, then Disc Golf Network came along, and um, they took a different path because their vision all along was to have a lot of events, right? So they, you know, their platform was sort of built around a subscription model, whereas ours 
pay-per-view made the most sense because we were probably only going to one run one tournament a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pay-per-view just felt like the way to go. So then we were locked in, you know, then it was two years. So, you know, Jeff Spring and I have been friends for, for a long time. He's a, you know, been at the championship many times since he caddied for Brinster when, when Steve won that year. Um, and so I really wanted to work more closely with him, but we sort of had to see that two-year deal through. So, like, that's significant, right? Because this is the first year where we actually had a legitimate chance to do this. Mm-hmm. And we were able to just bring the core people from our team and connect them with the Disc Golf Network team that's growing and growing and build a super team and combine all of our knowledge and all of our resources and um you do that and you still have the pay-per-view, you know, it's, you still have that extra support and we're, you know, like all that money that comes in goes back to professional disc golf media. You know, we're, we're pushing it all forward. And, you know, I guess that's what I would ask of our, is of our viewers to really be mindful of is that it's not a money grab for the event, for Innova, for, for anybody, you know, it's just like, this is, you're, you're investing in our future and making sure that your the entertainment value and the professionalism of these broadcasts is as solid as it can be um, for the future. So here we are, ready to ready to roll and see yeah. you know, how it translates with this new, uh, this new team. I appreciate you taking the time to like really talk about that um, because there are people in our live chat right now just going off the rail. No, I'm being con- I'm being too mean. They're not going off the rail, but they they're just they're asking a lot of the questions. I feel like you answered, but I do want to pose it out there just to get your opinion on this. Do you feel like it detracts from the growth of your event? Now I know you talked about the financial side of it, and I think that's I don't have any issues personally. But do you think putting it behind a paywall detracts from the growth of what it could become? For instance, um, Disc Golf Pro Tour makes their final round free and it just gains so much exposure that people, you know, I don't know how to say it, but you've probably thought about it. Or do you feel really satisfied that we'll put it behind a paywall? It's going to grow just as good that way. Learning, you know, I mean, we we have a model that has worked. It's it's gotten us to this point. Um the subscription model. I mean, people pushed back hard on that too. You know, I mean, everybody, myself included, was sort of grown to expect it to just be free. Um, you know, so I think as a sport, we're we're shifting. Um, I don't necessarily. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is going to be pay per view forever. Um, you know, but it's where we are in this moment. And you know, at the end of the day, my job is to deliver the value. Um, you know, and I believe we're going to do that. And I believe we've been good stewards of the money that has come to the championship and back out. And um, I think we'll continue to do that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the quality of the product is either there to support it or it's not. And this is where we are in 2021, where we're going to be in 2022. I don't I can't even say because we've got to get through this year and let the dust settle and, and see what it looks like. And, you know, you look at. BGN, that team is growing. The tour is changing. Um, you know, there's, you know, sponsors are now coming to us. You know, I mean, I've spent decades chasing down sponsors and, you know, now they're coming to us. Um, so things are changing. So I get it. You know, I, I understand the pushback. Um, and I don't think it's, it's, it's unfair. 
um, you know, at least some of the comments that I've seen, I, you know, I get it. Um, but we are where we are in the evolution of things. The USGDC is a unique animal. I mean, unless you've been here, you just like you have to be here and to see it and to really kind of understand the scope and the scale of what we do. Um, and so, you know, I just. I, I hear what people are saying and we're going to hold the line and we're going to learn and we're going to grow. And like I said, I believe the value will be there and I believe we'll learn from it however it goes and we'll make decisions accordingly for the future. I don't personally, and I know people aren't here for my opinion. They want to hear yours. I don't mind spending $25 and personally, I probably, and I'm not saying I'm rich. I wouldn't mind spending 50. I think the, I think the product is there. Mm -hmm. just generally it's the idea that what if you were to get and maybe this is something that will happen you just talked about sponsors coming in what if a big sponsor came in and you raised a hundred thousand dollars i'm not saying the numbers for sure but i mean just you raised a hundred thousand dollars through a sponsorship and you were able to open it up so you could grow the audience is that something you would consider you're not like anti making it free for people well i mean if the sponsor dollars were there truly there that would be, you know, that would be a game changer. Um, and they're coming, you know, and next year could be a very different situation. But, you know, we're looking at where we are today, where we've been the last two years. Um, you know, this is a six-figure broadcast, easy, all day long. Um, you know, and it's just, there's, I think, a fine line or a balance that you need to have between growing the audience and actually getting somewhere with the production behind it all like the at the end of the day the money has to be there mm -hmm. um and you know our our core fans and people who know the usdc they've been here they followed it they know the team behind it they believe in us i think they believe in the sincerity of our you know of our message and if they don't that's on me you know, I mean, if I'm not if I'm not believable or, if, you know, people feel like this is just a money grab. I mean, I'd like to think that people would have caught on to that before 23 years in here that, that you know, that our our hearts are in the right places. You know, I want to see this thing succeed, you know, but it's like that money at the end of the day has to come from somewhere so that you can do the things that you know you want to do that are right in front of you. Um, you know, and everything is exponentially more expensive now than it you know has been um you know it's and it's just this isn't a hobby show this isn't a hobby thing anymore you know i mean and so if you're gonna do it right and you're gonna represent the championship and you're gonna represent the players and you're gonna represent the city of rock hill and you're gonna represent with the university um you know you got to do it right and you know we're in a situation where you know We've taken a hit from a pro shop standpoint. The products just aren't there to sell like we've had in the past. There's a lot of tourism dollars that aren't there because they just weren't able to be generated over the course of the past year and a half or so. Um, you know, there's all kinds of other challenges that I know the Reddit crowds and the and the viewers and whatever don't necessarily may not even care about if they did know. Um, and that's okay, you know, but it's like, I'm sitting here, like I'm facing this head on, you know, I'm doing what I believe is, is to be the best thing for us right now. And if that looks a little different in future years, then so be it. But, you know, right now, my job is to stay the course and execute the show and deliver the value and then learn and grow and make the best decisions post event. I mean, I can't, I don't know how to be any more transparent and I can't imagine that even the haters would want anything different. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, 
I'm right here. Like I'm gonna look in the <laughs> eye and I'm at. Like I don't know yeah. what else I can the haters will always find something to hate on. It's just the, their nature. It's it's an insane. We we see the amount of effort and everything like that that you and your team are putting into it. And so for Matt and I, we do appreciate seeing it. Um, but I would say, what what's your favorite part of this event, whether it's running it or watching it, anything like that? What's your favorite part? It's always an incredible feeling to see it, the run up to it. You know, just the sheer effort. Um, you know, it, it's just people just rally. I mean, I was standing in Championship Village this evening, you know, about 45 minutes ago. And, um, you know, we're kind of closing the day and it, it almost felt like game day. You know, I mean, there were probably 40 people standing around in anticipation, just looking around, taking in the scenery and brainstorming. And there's music playing and dogs running around. And I mean, it just... You know, I guess, you know, that 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 glimpse of that to me this year is the best part because, you know, I want people I feel like people need to believe in something. You know, they want to believe that we're going to be all right and they should. You know, people I don't want people to lose hope. I want to bring people together. You know, I mean, the tournament, <laughs> the tournament is the platform, but the community and the togetherness and the love and the support and the hope and the confidence and the belief in what we're doing is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing. So, you know, we've come through some of the most challenging months that I've ever seen in my life, you know, and, and here we are like hugging it out and, and, and doing work. I mean, I was hurrying back from the village, back to the stone house to pack up my stuff and get here. Um, you know, and there's a volunteer that I've seen working. I don't, I don't, know her name like we've got so many people and she's out there it's almost dark and she's banging stakes in on a tent and it's just like you know just seeing that kind of effort um and that kind of passion for this um is just really humbling you know and you just you have those moments you just have those little glimpses and you realize it's so much bigger than a frisbee tournament and it's so much bigger than any one of us or even our team you know so i hope that people will see this as a movement for disc golf um, you know, and I just think we're going to it's going to feel really good to bring this many people together and have something to celebrate, you know, and give people joy and memories and things that they can cherish, cherish. And, you know, it's just that's the business that we're in mm -hmm. and for me. And that's got to be, you know, that's 30,000 foot view. But like that's the part that's the most meaningful for me. And there's just a slew of examples on any given day that you're just like. There's another one, and there's another one that you just get reminded of it constantly. Yeah. So it seems like being a part of this championship, the championship, is the biggest thing to you. Just being a part of it and um, being along for the ride. Um, I had to go here. You ready? I want to know your opinion, your thoughts, the things that went through your head the first time you saw Hole Nine in all of its glory. Like, what were your thoughts when you first saw it in person? I guess I wasn't, uh, I wasn't surprised. Um, I, you know, my experience was a lot like the players. I mean, I didn't know, you know, people might be surprised to hear you know, me say that as the event director, but for years, um, you know, I've left the course designed to Harold and, um, and now his son, Andrew, who's, you know, kind of coming along following in his footsteps. And so, 
at, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, when I see it, I have a lot of other perspective that, you know, not everyone has, um, you know, and, and, and deep down, I know that their goal is to put the, the players to the test um, and to provide a very fair, but very challenging and very thoughtful course design that's relevant in the year that we're in for the players that will play it. And that hole would be a easy tap in dues for almost everybody um, if those things weren't there. Um, you know, so I understand the pushback on the artificial nature of the post themselves. Like it's not my, that's not my favorite thing. I wish they were palmetto trees or something that looked and played very similar and more natural and, and maybe one day they will be, um, you know, but we're, it can't just be a wide open course, you know, and you're, you see a lot of that, you know, you see a lot of that on tour and a lot of tournaments on golf courses where it's like Eagles delight. Let's just rip another 700 footer for a deuce. <laughs> and I mean, that's not what this is about. Like we want to challenge the entire field and challenge you mentally and challenge you physically and challenge you emotionally. And we want them to step on stage and deliver an excellent show. And we want there to be drama and excitement. And, you know, you, you have to try things, you know? And so, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if nobody's, if nobody's talking about you or criticizing you, you're probably not doing anything. You know, I mean, the, like if nobody's, if nobody's criticizing you, you're probably not doing anything or saying anything and you may very well not ever be much of anything, you know I mean? Just legit, like you gotta, you gotta try, you gotta put yourself out there. So I understand that people might not like it. They might not definitely like it because it's artificial, but you know, I know what we're trying to accomplish, um, you know, and I and I know the players. I know them. I know them well. And I know they, you know, some of them agree and some of them may not disagree. But it's 2021. Like you look around, we got a bunch of ballers out there. I mean, your job is to walk up to every tee and throw the shot, you know, and just and just do the job. That's part of the test. Um, and I mean, I'm seeing guys walk up to that tee and just stripe it right down the lane of their choice and put it right up under the pin like there's nothing to it. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I, I think uh, the criticism, I get it, dude, I get it. I'm not, you know, it's it's valid, but I'll say this. It's like if you've never been to the course and you've never really seen the work that goes into it and how that entire course actually plays and how it all comes together, I mean, you know, to say that it's the whole course is cheesy and the course sucks and all this, I mean, it's just like, oh, man, this is actually a thrill ride of a course that's incredibly challenging. You know, so if you're going to just look at five polls, I mean, be like, yeah, that event sucks. It's like, come on, bro. Really? Yeah, exactly. You know, so, so, um, you know, I get it. At least they're talking about us, man. At least they care. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. First, they're paying attention. First of all, like, such a big, yeah. The okay. eagle, the eagle's delight has to be trademarked somewhere. Like they all can't be eagle's delight. That was wonderful. I love that. That's useful. Like you see, you see, got to protect that eagle. Okay. Eagle's his, eagle's his boy. So I can't, I can't <laughs> go out that. Yeah, like eagle can throw up and over everything we got. He can throw in the Coliseum if he wanted to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then secondly, that's why I asked the question. I can only imagine you've been getting uh, a lot of different perspectives on this, but I wanted to know your opinion just on like when you stepped up to it. If you were to throw the hole, and I'm not asking you to defend it or anything else at this point. Like this is just friendly conversation. Do you think you would have fun besides the fact that maybe it's too hard of a hole for you? I don't know your your skill as a disc golfer. I know for me, I'd probably too much without the pins, uh, the the sticks up or whatever. Like when you go to throw the hole, does it seem fun to you? Have you thrown it? 
I have not thrown it. Um, I have envisioned throwing it. The only times I've been out there, I didn't have a, like, okay. I mean, you know, running up to a tournament, man, I've been doing a million yeah, things. Yeah. So I've not walked out there with my golf bag and thrown it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I hit one of those sticks, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's like the lanes are there, you know, I mean, it's not like it's super narrow and unfair, you know, I mean, these guys from the most part, I mean, I've had a spotter, there's been a spotter on the back of that hole logging every, every pole hit and every birdie and every drop shot and every score all through doubles and all through Monday qualifying. And you'd be surprised how, and that's a lot of amateur or advanced level players. You'd be surprised how few people have actually hit the poles. Um, so, you know, fun. Yeah, I think it's fun. You know, it's going to be fun when you're there with your buddies and, you know, I mean, somebody cracks a pole and you work, you know, you work them for hitting first available. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be fun. I mean, if you're out there by yourself or you're in a tournament, you got, a thousand people standing behind you, it's going to suck to smack a pole right in front of the tree. But like that's, yeah. that's part of what you're part of what the fans come to see. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your opinion on that. Nick, did you have anything else? I have one last question. You might not even be able to answer it. Um, but do you ever think that the championship will outgrow Winthrop University? Do you think it will ever move to a different spot? It's a great question. And we've, you know, we've talked about it for years. I mean, we are, this will be the year that we outgrow our ability to park people in the spaces that we have available to park. Um, in terms of like people out on the course, I mean, we're going to probably be at 3,500 at, at max this year. Um, I think we can double that, you know, so it's not a matter of it's not a matter of like, you know, the space can handle it. I mean, it's awesome. Like there's a ton of room out there and it's just got the stadium feel. And, you know, from a fan standpoint, it's a, it's a pretty good vibe for a, for a show like this. Um, so I don't think we'll outgrow it from that standpoint. You know, we're actually bringing in, we've, you know, this is new for disc golf or we've, you know, we've hired an outside group that manages college sporting events way bigger, like tens of thousands of people they're accustomed to managing and we're bringing them in to manage, our people. So that's, a, that's another step to prepare us for exactly what you're saying, you know, so rather than having volunteers running around doing parking and front gate and security and things that we've really sort of outgrown having volunteers do, now we're bringing in a team of like Navy SEALs. This is just exactly what they do. So you're going to have people in uniform sprinkled all over that property, all wired up with the headset. Um, and you know, we're going to be looking at exactly how we can expand beyond campus so you know i know every i know exactly how many parking spaces there are within <laughs> within a couple of miles of winthrop you know the winthrop property <laughs> so we're already we're already planning to you know to shuttle people in and you know and, and grow so i mean i could see it one day being vips are the only ones parking at the actual course like inside the course and then you know then the single day people are getting you know bust in from a quarter mile away or something like mm -hmm. that so with disc golf exploding, um, that stuff, that's just, that's just coming. But, you know, I mean, it, look at it like this, you know, I would rather do everything possible to make it work there. Like that's, you can't take the masters somewhere else and mm -hmm. expect it to still be, like, really, you know, to be exactly what it was. And there's, this is 28 majors. You know, and I'm waiting for somebody to like, I keep lobbing that out there. Like, I don't know what venue is second in terms of like the number of majors hosted. If somebody knows that, like, please, please let us know. Cause I'm just, 
I'm just curious, like that's a neat historical fact, but like that's a part of the answer to your question, right? Because if it's, yeah, like you can't just you can't go away from that kind of history unless you have a really freaking good reason to do it. That, that's a good point. And just so you know, we actually have, and you can see on camera, Stat Mando in the house. This guy, Stat Mando's bringing well, a lot of cool. Yeah, so he's right now, he's feverishly typing and he's gonna find <laughs> out what's the second to that. So if we get that, you stay tuned or I'll send you an email later. But Nick, that was a great question. I think that's a good opportunity to wind wind up this interview here um, or wind down, I should say, not up. Is there anything you'd like to close out with, Jonathan? You answered our questions, I feel like, with tremendous transparency. I feel like it was with grace. I appreciate what you're doing. And I don't usually do this. I might've given you a hard time with some of these questions, but like generally I'm very supportive of you and what you're doing. Um, I hope the best for what you guys have going on down there and continuing on. Um, is there anything you want to give a shout out to or let us know about that? Maybe you haven't announced anywhere else yet. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's anything that hasn't already been, you know, been out there. I mean, you know, just, just to the fans. I mean, you know, please check us out. You know I mean? I, I know, you know, things are, these are not the greatest of times for people financially, um, you know, and so for the people that have already purchased the pay-per-view or if you're considering it, I appreciate you for even considering it um, and even just considering putting, you know, your faith in this. And, you know, and I hope that we will we will deliver to your satisfaction. If you are within a reasonable drive, I would hope that you would consider coming and being here firsthand. I mean, this is just not I mean, I've been to worlds for years and I've been to events all over the country and. There's just nothing quite like the USDGC, and and that's because of our people. Um, you know, I mean, the you know to have a field this size and to be outnumbered by the staff on one course is a pretty remarkable, you know, pretty remarkable stat. Um, but it feel it's incredible here. You know, it feels amazing. And so, like, even if you just come for a day, you know, just come hang out with us for a day and take it all in because you know we're we're striving to be. You know, I've always wanted to, like, I've been chasing golf tournaments, not disc golf tournaments. You know what I mean? When people come here, I want them to feel like, well, they just came to Pinehurst or Augusta National or Pebble Beach or, you know, wherever. Like, that's what we're, we're striving for that level of professionalism because that's what this game deserves. You know, like, and these are my peeps. Like, these are my family. This has been my whole world. You know what I mean? For 25 years, I've been doing this. Um, and so I care about the community and this is like, this is what I do. So if you've never seen it firsthand and you're somewhat nearby, please come check it out and, and, and see, you know, see what all the hype is about. Um, so that's, I think that's all I got. Do you have any, uh, do you have any predictions? Who's going to take it down? Well, uh, I haven't been able to see a lot of the practice rounds or see some of the practice shots. I mean, that can give you a generally a pretty good idea of who's feeling good and how they're, how they're playing certain holes. Um, yeah. You know, the longer throwers, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think of Eagle, I mean, I feel like he would have had a really good shot if he hadn't punched the ground on 16 and, you know, cracked his wrist. I mean, he was right there. So I know that he can, play this course well and he's sort of just getting to the point where he's got enough reps in on this track that like he feels good like I think he knows he can do it but man it's cool to see the Kyle Kleins and see Adam Hammes hit his stride and Mason Ford and man it's just like I'm stoked to see um 
there's a lot of people with a shot to win this thing. And, and for many years, that wasn't the case. I mean, usually yeah. you, were, you were picking from like four or five dudes. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, which one of these guys is going to get it this time? And that's absolutely not the course now. So to see just how far we've come, man, it's cool to see all these branded rigs and see people looking sharp in their practice rounds and to see yeah. it feel more like sport. I mean, that is awesome. And I just hope that we can deliver the stage and the atmosphere that, that guys like that are inspired by and excited to get up and be entertainers on this particular stage for the world. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people that can do it. I mean, obviously, Paul's won here a lot of times. I mean, I know he wants to notch another one. He's probably in his mind still chasing. You know, he's probably chasing the champ, trying to get five of his own. Yeah. Um, or at least get in the three club. So, I mean, you know, you give a guy like that a goal and I mean, come on, look out. So it's, it's hard to pick any one person. And that's, I mean, I'm excited as a fan to say that. I mean, I think there's at least 10, if not maybe 15 people that are like legit can get this done. And um, man, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to get them heat off and see what happens. Yeah. No doubt. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you're uh, at the same time as you're anticipating the fullness of this week. You're probably also anticipating the awesome come down off the end of the week. And hopefully you have something planned out to relax. We appreciate you very much coming on. Your time is very valuable. And even you talking about someone driving in a tent stake as you left for this interview. It means a lot to us over at the Nick and Matt show. We'll do it again someday. I uh, hope you have a great evening, JP. And uh, thanks again. Thank you guys very much, man. Y'all have a great night. All right. Bye. Take it easy. Peace. All right, everybody. JP uh, over there at Innova running the US DGC. Nick, there was a lot there. Uh, I didn't bring yeah. up the idea of buying their own property and building their own venue, but like he gave us a lot of information. And I personally, <laughs> now I've known him outside of this interview, I personally am not skeptical towards what he's saying. I believe his motivations are true. That's my opinion. I believe his intentions are good. I'm not saying he has it right, but you got to listen to the guy and at least believe that he's not BSing us. That's my opinion. So no, I thought it was a great interview. I thought a lot of what he was saying, it, it made me excited to watch this tournament, get the pay-per-view, be able to sit down and watch it pretty much every single day. Um, I'm very excited to do that because I know they do put a lot of effort into this course. And I kind of want to start off by saying I went down to South Carolina, the, you know, a few days ago. Played two practice rounds out in the course. The whole nine pulls. I think when Jordan Castro originally posted that picture, everyone thought they were like literally five feet. Hold on. -pad. We really lost you for a second. Like, yeah, I mean, they were like how far? Like thirty feet from the tee pad. Oh, in my back. Yeah, probably probably about that. Maybe maybe even slightly more. I mean, it really. I don't like the look of them. I want to start off by saying that appearance yeah. wise, I think it looks very corny. And I don't think it looks super professional. If, like you were saying, you could have palm meadow trees down there, that'd be great. Maybe that happens in the future. But um, play-wise, and I won't speak for a lefty backhand player because I have no <laughs> idea. Um, but play-wise, any player that qualified for that tournament should honestly, they have to think about the shot. Like, that's what I like about USCGCs. You have to think about every single shot that you throw. But at the same time, like, I didn't hit the pole a single time. Oh, Nick dropping the bombs. I don't hit the poles yeah. ever. And I probably, yeah, I probably threw the hole <laughs> four times and then tried to do one. Paul was like, here, try to throw this big hyzer, like see if you can get it there. And I came up short when I threw the big hyzer. I went OB twice on, you know, a couple of my shots. But the first time I threw it, I did a little flex forehand. I parked the basket. And then the second time I threw it, 
I threw a Zeus just on a little flip up hyzer and was like 20 feet short, you know, still in bounds, maybe only 15 feet short. Uh, but the pros who I did get to enjoy a couple practice rounds with, none of them ever hit it. They threw these nice, simple hyzers with, you know, maybe a speed 10 disc. And they were all pretty close putting and everything like that. It was funny because one of the guys actually tried to hit the pole and he missed like four times. So, I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Appearance wise, it looks awful, but play wise, it's really not as a player. Okay. You sh it shouldn't be too, too bad. <laughs> I agree that it's the appearance mainly for me. I've always seen what they are trying to do. I wasn't skeptical of what they were trying to do. Um, and by the way, Simon, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I, our private conversations aren't always private, but Simon said he generally, and he hadn't thrown it. He said he liked, the, he thinks it was going to be good. Um, that was this past weekend. So it's good to see you know, that there's all different perspectives there. So, yeah. You know what? I totally forgot that today is Monday and they had the Monday qualifiers. Mm. Have they posted anywhere who, who did qualify in a little bit by the end? We'll talk about that. We have to get on with okay. this. Um, but yes, we want to get Josh on. The funny thing is. I flashed him up on the screen here. So anyone that was watching, they're like random guy on the screen. Uh, so I it got to, that taken care of. We are lined up to do this. Let me introduce my brother to the show. He has been on before as a co-host. He is also a co-host with me on the Disc Golf Network at oh, talking the show name Disc Golf Pro Talk. Um, so now I am merging. It's officially weird to me. I've got the Nick and Matt show and disc golf pro talk happening at the same time, but let me welcome to the show. Uh, my brother, Josh, how are you doing, man? I am doing good. Nick, I've been on the show before, but never with you. I know, right? You've always been filling in for my spot. And what's funny yeah. is you have a thousand times better quality than I do right now. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm ramping, I'm ramping it up. That's all right. Yeah. Hey, Matt, real, or uh, Nick, quick stat or fiction for you. I co-hosted on this show, but here's the stat or fiction. Episode 45, was that the one that I covered? So <laughs> I am stating this as I covered episode 45. It was back action. in May when you covered for me. I'm going to say it, 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 was, it was 45. That's a stat. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yep, I was going to say, because that's, what, 15 episodes ago at this point? So I'm trying to think weeks. It months. is yeah, a stat, Nick. <laughs> I would have said it would have been close. Yeah. Okay. Stat Mando. So All what right, we're going to do, on. Josh, we're going to give you the floor for a little bit here. Josh has something really incredible, an opportunity, I'll say, coming up that he's been working very hard towards. Um, I'm going to give him the floor to talk about it. And then I'm laughing. Someone in the chat said it looks like you're, Josh is a cross between Nick and Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So anyways. Josh, go ahead. <laughs> now Evan's over here laughing. Um, yeah. Go ahead and give us like what you're trying to do and also the opportunity for people to support this effort in a way that benefits disc golf, I think, at a very foundational level. So go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, thank you. And I know we've got more coming up, so I'll try to be succinct. So um, interestingly enough, on episode 45, Matt, one of the interviews we did was Dustin Leatherman, who's the director for the Paul Macbeth Foundation. So there's a little bit of a, a crossover here for what I'm trying to do. So fast forward from then until now, I wanted to come on here. So thank you for letting me come on and share a personal endeavor of mine. But I want to share that connected opportunity with the Paul Macbeth Foundation. So for a whole lot of reasons, I enjoy running. I listen to all of your podcasts. I've heard that mentioned one or two times in passing. I've been on a pursuit to kind of stretch and challenge myself to try new things. So write things that aren't comfortable, not easy, maybe even have a high chance of failure. Here's my opinion in those experiences, right? When you really stretch yourself is when you learn more about yourself. When there's actual risk of failure, you do fail, right? That's when you grow. 
So here's what I'm setting out to do personally is I'm going to run an ultra marathon, which technically means anything longer than a marathon distance. But in this case, I am planning to run or setting out to run a hundred mile race and that's this coming weekend. So Saturday, October 9th, and yes, it will take me all the way till Sunday, October 10th. It's one continuous stretch, a hundred miles. Um, of course I plan to, to accomplish it. I think I can accomplish it, but it's to be determined. Uh, it'll be a challenge. It's over 10,000 feet of elevation gain, mostly on trails, a little bit of mountains in Massachusetts. And so this will push me to my limits for sure. Right. But you know, maybe I'll have to even tap into what, a little Paul Macbeth, you know, uh, kind of beast mode <laughs> to get this done. But here, here's the deal. I didn't want this to be all about me. This was kind of a selfish endeavor. Um, and so I wanted to attach something beyond me. And in this case, it's a fundraiser, uh, going along with the effort with my close connection to the disc golf community, Matt, like for more than a decade, right. It's done a lot for me. Uh, and I see the great things the Paul Macbeth Foundation's doing. It's really fairly young and it's been exciting to see uh, the work it's already setting out and planning to do. So yes, along with my personal endeavor to run hundred miles, I'm attaching a fundraiser to this uh, a little bit to inspire me as well as to give an opportunity for people to feel connected. And of course, to ultimately try to draw more funds into what the foundation is doing. Um, and so that was what I was here to share. And I'll just recap it with, with these things. So I definitely need partners, um, like each of you listening in uh, to support the fundraiser for the Paul Macbeth foundation. And honestly, any amount I'm looking for at least one donor per mile, that's a hundred donors. And I don't care. You can do $1, honestly, like the mm -hmm. amount doesn't ultimately matter. It'll add up in the end. So I'm looking for, for donors. I already have some out there. Um, any, here's another key, any contributions made tonight, which means I'll monitor the fundraiser. So several hundred of you watching now, even if just a very few of you did it, um, any contributions made tonight will be matched up to $200. What that means is if you contribute five, it's basically doubled to turn into 10. If you contribute 10, it's doubled to 20. So this will really ramp up the contributions to the foundation. And then also anybody contributing is eligible to win a Paul Macbeth signed um, disc, a Paul Macbeth foundation disc signed by Paul Macbeth himself. There'll be more information on that on social media. And so here's how you give. Really, there's just a couple ways. The most official way, like if you want a tax deduction, if you want to do it directly to the foundation, the easiest way is to get the link the best place to get the link now is on my social media channels, which means you can find me on Facebook. I just recently posted a link or my Instagram profile page. Just click the link. You can donate in a matter of probably three clicks. That's the easiest, most direct way. If that's not easy for you and you're comfortable with it, you can also directly PayPal me. It's just Joshua Graham. I will make sure hundred percent of those go directly to the foundation uh, through me. Um, yeah, and we'll keep track of that. And so, you know, Matt, I mean, we can talk about it or not, but just disc golf has meant a lot to me. And uh, training for this particular effort has been incredibly hard and grueling. Um, and it just felt like a natural place for two big hobbies of mine to pull them together. You know, being a fan of the Nick and Matt show and maybe having some connections, I also appreciate you all letting me come on and kind of uh, voice what I'm what I'm pursuing. So that's it. Yeah, you felt this out. I'm currently out. setting up my donation as we speak. Awesome. All right. So you said PayPal if, uh, was yeah, Joshua if, if Graham. Win, Venmo was, yes. uh, do you do Venmo? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Both of those are going to be right under my full name, Joshua Graham. Okay. So you can find me out there. Or follow uh, them PayPal on social. Or Venmo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or direct uh, contribution. They're, you know, just via a link to a particular awesome. uh, fundraiser page. To the chat so, yeah, out there. Yeah, it should be there. pretty simple. To the chat out there. If I, 
all the people out if there I right now. If I somehow win the Paul Macbeth disc, <laughs> That's what I, was gonna say. I will not be accepting it. They can give it to someone else. <laughs> So right, we'll I'll do. say that now. I just want to say ours, right. ours, we've never done um, where we've requested support for a charitable uh, giving before. But if you would do that here, it'd be very awesome to let you guys know that we fulfilled that. The $200 match on top of it. Um, I see people commenting that they'd like to. So hopefully you do see that tonight. Um, Josh, there's a chance you don't finish this, but the money's going to a good spot. I don't think okay. people have to worry about that. Um, how confident yeah, I mean, on a scale yeah, exactly. of one to hundred, yeah. how do you feel about finishing? Do you have any ideas? Percentage? Oh, I go, I go up and down, but what I will say is all research says the mental game is the biggest challenge, obviously physical, right? But like, so I am trying to pump myself up. And so I'm going to say, I'm confident I'll finish. Uh, if you were to actually ask me, maybe it's like a 75%. Okay. So it, it'll be hard. It'll be really, really hard. Awesome. Probably 30 hours. And, um, and even though my mind will be focused on the running, truthfully, there is a bit of this, I want it to be more than just me. So while I'm running, and so that's why I think about the disc golf community, think of some of the places we've already seen the Paul McBeth Foundation put courses in, inspiring new players, new experiences, right? In underserved communities. So I just think it's a cool way to connect this, this activity. For Absolutely. sure, for sure. We're glad Nick, that you came I'm going to get about Nick. I'm going to hopefully you're going to get some good shoes and we'll see if you can join me in the ultra marathon. circuit. exactly. So funny story about this. Um, I recently started running. I think I said this last week's episode as well, but Josh is who I hit up and he actually sent me a store here in Lynchburg that I can go and test out my shoes. I actually have a pretty free day tomorrow and the shoes that I'm wearing right now. I don't know if it's because my lack of running or just whatever, but I want to make sure that whatever shoes I am wearing are good for the body and so now that you know i run on a treadmill or i run on pavement depending on what time of the day i'm running um josh has been super helpful in helping me out with all that it literally was like hey man i'm getting into running what shoes should i buy and he was like now that's like a new player getting into disc golf and asking what distance should buy there's so <laughs> many different options and there's so many different and so all of a sudden i had like seven paragraphs from josh and he went out of his way to look up the store and everything like that and i was like holy cow this is this is what it's like when people ask these kind of questions yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool yeah, um, people are asking me to pen your Venmo. It's at Josh Graham, right? Or at Joshua Graham, do you know? Yeah, it should be Joshua Graham. I think if I actually look, uh, it's probably like Joshua Dash Graham. Okay, we want people to get there. the money to you. Um, you can, yes. Josh, after you get off, go in the chat and pin it, or not pin it, but leave a comment with that, and people will definitely check that out. Okay, we have made it to this point. That is a great initiative, but really, the real reason we had you on was to try to beat you at the game called Stat sure. or Fiction. So let's go ahead and get into stat or fiction. All right. Oh, I got to line up Josh's screen a little bit here somehow. Eh. <laughs> or I can move Matt. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened, but I guess you got to <laughs> move a little bit. Um, anyways, all right. <laughs> while I work on this here, Evan, go ahead and uh, get us started. Well, I'll start off by saying, uh, Josh, how about this? Every uh, stat or fiction you get correct, I'll add on ten dollars to donate to your uh, to your run. Oh, look at All right, that! Pressure's on. That's good either way. I appreciate it. All right, Let's go. It, it won't be zero. So if you do if you do goose, I get it. I'll still give some. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I like it. All right. So we all heard the news that uh, the national tour is merging with the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Uh, so everything forward will be the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So I just had to wrap up the national tour from its run from 2003 till 2021. I got a question for us, or a stat or fiction. Haley King owns the best NT win percentage all time of any player, MPO or FPO. 
Okay, repeat that one more time because I always need it twice. That's okay. Haley King owns the best NT win percentage all time of any player. Oh, man. So I'm going to, Nick, do you want me to start tonight? No, I'll start. Go for I'm it. I'm going to go stat. I'm going to go stat. I got, I got hope, hope in my homie. Okay. Best win percentage. So this is like, yeah, this would be if she, I'm making this up. If she played in 10 and she won five, she's a 50% win. Yeah. I say that is fiction. Okay. Josh says fiction. I say, and I was right in line with, with Nick, but now I hear both sides of it. And I'm like, I'm going, I'm going uh stat. I'm going stat. All right, Josh, you're the odd man out. Uh, Evan, how did this play out? It is fiction. There Man, you go. It is fiction. So Haley King has Do I won. get to guess who do I get to guess who actually has the highest? You can go for it. That's uh, Redding. No, that is incorrect. Uh, I don't have hers handy. Uh, but that's fine. I'll say it in a second. Haley King has won 50% of her NTs. Uh, that's excluding any DNFs. That's usually what we do. So she has three wins from six events she has completed. Um Juliana Corver has won 57.14% of the NT events she played in 16 wins from 28 events. And uh, just for reference, I didn't, the, I didn't even think about JK. Yeah. She won the first NT and, and then played in the last one, which is really cool. Uh, and then just to give you a point of reference, the best MPO national tour uh, win percentage was Paul Macbeth at 31.8%. 31.08. Yeah. Uh, 23 wins from 74 events. Man. Uh, I'm not starting off too well here. All, All right, right. Give, us, give us the next one. Okay, this one just kind of be a, a list of stats at USDGC for, uh, or USDGC and Worlds for Climo. Uh, so you're just going to tell me if it's Ooh. stat or fiction with that. So Climo at USDGC has 19 starts, five wins, and has earned $58,995. Climo at Worlds has 21 starts, 12 wins and $55,677 earned. So kind of the point with that is at USDGC, Climo's earned $58,995 and at Worlds, he's earned $55,677. And this this is standard fiction. Josh says he knows the answer. So he's up next. Josh, you are up next. So go ahead and give us what you're thinking. That's a stat. Why are you so confident on that? Um, oh, tell, them, tell them afterwards. We, tell them afterwards. Ah, Nick. You give your Marty. All right. I was trying to get him. Um, I actually don't have any real good answer for this one. I think it'll be interesting to find out. As I've said before, I kind of try to game the system a little bit. And I'm like, what? You looked into that? And it was obviously something that was close. Um, I got to get a point. So I'm going to go stat because it's a, that's what's right. This is the one time I really don't want to play devil's advocate because I'm, I want to go stat on this one, so I'm going to go stat as well. Oh, we're okay. All of us said stat. What is it? What is the answer? All right, that is a stat. Yeah, it was a, it was a little out there with a bunch of a bunch of things. I could have been a little bit tricky uh, and switched the numbers around, but no, I thought that was insane. That uh, Climo's only won USDG. Oh, I say only. He's won <laughs> USDGC five times, which is still the most of anyone. Yeah, uh, and has earned more money. Uh, from those five wins and those 14 other events than he has from his 12 wins at Worlds and more starts overall at Worlds. Uh, has earned a little over $3,000 more. It's just incredible that they're so close, too. But Wow. Right. 
All right, so just to recap here, Josh has two. Nick and I both have one. We're riding his coattails. That's how that worked. All right, give us the next one. Yeah. All right. Is this the final one? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I have a bonus one if we tie. We can go all into right, it too right, if we right, want. Right, right. But it's there just in case. Uh, so stat or fiction number three. James Conrad has the highest average cash at USDGC all time with $3,860 earned per event. Of all time. The highest average cash of all time at USDGC with $3,860 per event. That's James Conrad. Man. Um, it's not me. It's Nick. Oh, uh, no, it is me, isn't it? I start. No, it's you. Yeah, I start. That's too bad. <laughs> um, I'm thinking through my head. That means I think he's obviously he's won. I say obviously, Nick. Sorry, I stole your word. Obviously, he's uh, one. Dude, I hear obviously so much more around my life and now. Ever since someone called I don't me know what that. Candidate. I don't know what that payout was. I'm just gonna guess in my head because I'm right now. I'm not on top of it. Twelve thousand. I'm just gonna put a number out there. If he even plays top, whatever, and then you divide that by how many times he's played. No offense, but I feel like I'm that girl that was on YouTube, like talking about how many miles you could run in like 60 minutes if you ran 60 miles an hour or something. <laughs> And I'm like playing out like, so I could probably place about 20th place. And because no. All right. So let me just get to the point. That number average sounds about right. So I'm just going to say stat. The 3,000, 3,000, whatever it was. All right. I'm on fiction as well. So this is my chance. This is my chance to tie it up or yeah, I'm the only way that we yeah, get a tie. It. All right. So go yep. ahead, Evan, give it to us. All right. That is a stat. Oh, baby. Bring it in. I just tied it right up, baby. Here we go. So uh, just to cover to cover the context, uh, $3,860 per event is the most for James Conrad. Uh, Nicola Castro owns the second highest average at $3,395. Uh, Ken, Ken, oh, my gosh. Ken Climo at $3,105. Paul McBeth at $2,945. Remember, Paul McBeth didn't cash at 2019 uh, I was wondering how much of a hit yeah 2019 I was wondering how much of a hit that would be yeah uh and then that'd do it I even did the last five years just for extra context just I thought this was cool too but wasn't the exact question but from the last five years 2016 to 2020 Nate Sexton has the highest average cash at 4,223 uh James Conrad's only played five events so he's the same Jeremy Coling's in third Ricky Wasaki's fourth Macbeth's fifth uh, Dickerson LaCastro. Well, okay. So now you have to give us the bonus because yep. we have a tie. All right. So going back to this, so this kind of stat or fiction, uh, it's kind of a <laughs> stat or fiction. I felt for a bonus, it should be a little bit more open-ended. Okay. Um, so, uh, with the NT wrapping up, there were three players who earned a hundred thousand dollars all time from national tour events. Name those three players. Okay, one more time. Oh, sorry. Because I'm processing. This is how all I right. process. Name the three players that earned $100,000 all time in cash prize from national tour events. I'm. Ooh, I wish ooh. I. We probably should write them down and hold them up or something so he doesn't hear. But I'll give one. He gives one. I'm saying Paul Macbeth. All right. I'm saying Paul Macbeth as well. Okay, so after Paul Macbeth. Uh, we'll have Josh lead on this guess. Okay, go ahead, Josh. All right, okay. I'm just uh, going to copy him. Do you, 
Should I say correct as you guys go, or I'll wait until the end? Yeah, just wait because the end. If you say fine, different, yeah, that's fine. Bath, other NT. Okay. Um, Two thousand three is when this thing started. All right, Climo. Dude, I'm not okay. That's could be that could be the make or break there. I'm going with Ricky Wysocki. All right, and I was gonna pick Wysocki, so the difference will be what you pick for a third. Oh man. Um. Could it be FPO? Could it be Paige Pierce? That was the other one I was thinking, but I didn't say it. Well, so. thanks for affirming that for me now. Um, well, could be misleading you, but... This is tough, everybody. This is tough. I'm going to look at the chat. No. <laughs> um, I'm just going to roll the dice. I, I'll say Paige Pierce. Did either of us get more than the other, Evan? Or is it still a tie? No, you guys both got two out of three. Ricky and Paul? Yes, Ricky and Paul both so earned $100,000. So let us guess another one. Yeah, so now we're on to the third and final player who earned $100,000. i am going to guess. i am going to guess it's um another MPO player, if Paige didn't get it. And no offense to all the other FPO players, but like that's what I'm feeling. Um, everyone's screaming right now what it is. Uh, I don't know. I, I, there's so many names. I'm just going to go Kayla Visca. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to say Eagle McMahon. Recency bias, but payouts have been bigger. Oh, yeah. right? You go too far back, they're too low. So that's my guess. All right. Uh, neither of those are correct. I see Kale <laughs> way down on this list. He had 45,000. Okay. Yeah. So who got the highest? Who had the highest? Out of those two players? Eagle. Uh, no, Kale. Kale oh. has 45,000. $418 from National Tour Events. Eagle has 43433 That's a weird number to say. Skips, I think we have to go on that's that right. because we're going to guess yeah, for a long fine. time, but I am interested to hear. All right. So uh, Sue and Raleigh actually got this exactly correct One of our before listeners. you guys wow. even finished. Uh, it is yeah. Ricky Wysocki, well, Paul McBeth, uh, Ricky Wysocki, and Dave Feldberg. Wow. Uh, Paul McBeth, 130,000, 137,000. Ricky with 116,000. Dave Felberg with 113,000. Nate Doss is the next closest with 93,000. Barry Schultz is the fifth highest with 68,000. So there's a very large gap. Uh, wow. Down to that. Um, so I had to give myself that point. And I think that's how it finished yeah. out last week. It was like one, <laughs> two, three across the board. And I somehow pulled it off. I'm starting to feel good, but also bad. I, I don't like beating the guest. But this is my brother, so I kind of feel okay well, about that. Yeah, right. I was going to say, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Let's close out this segment here. Um, as we get ready, I know a lot of people are out there in the chats waiting for Jeff Spring. We're just about to line him up. So, Josh, what does your uh, preparation look like leading right up to the run? Are you eating a whole pizza? Maybe some pulled pork? Like, what's the meal strategy? Well, I will eat pretty normal because I want my body to feel normal. So I just like don't do anything out of the ordinary. But Matt, I will eat thousands and thousands of calories while I'm running, literally while I'm running. So baked potatoes, pizza, bacon, candy, plus uh, many other things. So it's been pretty, uh, it's been pretty intense. 
Um, again, some, some of you on this call, I understand could care less and think it's stupid and ask why I get that and understand that if you are curious though, again, like I'm going to post a lot more of what's actually happening with my race. Just, you know, follow on Instagram if you're curious and then unfollow when you don't want to hear any more about it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And Matt, I know in just a moment we'll drop for a, a better guest and I'll stay on it and watch, of course, tell Jeff, I said, hi, but I want to mention that even while we've been sitting here. Um, there's been at least $150 that have come in based Whoa. on what I can see. Um, Thank you and I to think the Nick and probably, Matt show followers and listeners. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think there's probably a few others who are pending whatever. So remember that will be doubled. So, uh, as far as contributions to the fundraiser, just since we mentioned it, we're about $300. And some more may trickle in. So yeah, wow. it's a true thank you. Uh, that's you know meaningful to me, um, and in reality, that's more meaningful to those who will benefit from what the foundation does. Right. So thank you to everybody for doing that. That's tremendous. And in fact, I bet you, just with that little recap you did right there, we can get you to that matched fully two hundred. You said it was just shy of that, right? About one sixty or something. It was like one. It was like one fifty. But okay. I know there were some others who were probably looking to uh, still contribute. So, awesome. Um, yeah. So that, that's awesome. Again, thank you. Yeah. I, I have run a lot this year and a lot last year. The furthest I've ever run is 50 miles. Um, I've run 40, I've run 30, I've done a lot of training runs. So it's not a big deal to go out and run like a marathon on a weekend, but there's nothing like a hundred miles because this includes overnight, 12 hours in the dark, um, no sleep, um, we run right <laughs> through central Massachusetts. Going right Sounds down, like a good time. All right. Josh, no, it won't do, be. But again, you thank your... you, Nick. Th thanks for uh, loaning some of your show's time. I truly oh. enjoy listening to you all, even though you're a friend and Matt, you're a brother. Uh, when this podcast is up, I put it right to the top of my playlist. So I, I love it. We appreciate you, Josh. Yeah. Evan had right. one last question. Do you have a map of your of the route you're running? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the name of this race is the Mid-State Massive. And yes, I have a map. I all have right. fully detailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was more not for you to know where you're going, but if someone, you know, just happened to show up on the side of the road, oh, you know, yeah. big sign, yeah, throw no, you some yeah. water. Cool. Yeah. All right, everybody. That was my Thank brother, you, Josh. Everybody. Check us out over Thank on the go. Disc Golf Network, uh, Disc Golf Pro Talk with Matt and Josh. It is another show. I'm not trying to steal followers, Nick, but it's a different show. So, all right. You can double you can up on it. All the double up. Get everybody involved. All right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Go, all right go we're go booting you out. Them. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. All Bye. right, everybody. That was Josh. I guess last name Graham. We are excited to support that. And just to hear Nick, we just raised money for this good cause on our show. Like, like yeah. a snap of the finger. How'd that happen? That's it's awesome. Uh, no, the uh, disc golf community is super supportive. And I've said that for years now. And so just being able to put it into a good cause with the Paul McBeth foundation. And then also Josh running this uh, marathon or ultra marathon as it is, it's pretty cool put the two together. I'm excited to see how it goes. And, you know, a hundred miles, that's, that's a lot. Driving that is pretty miserable. So I can't imagine running. <laughs> so he runs a hundred miles. He comes on our show with a better camera and microphone than you. And I don't know. He's and they say he looks like a blend of Nick and Matt. Like it's, it's time for him to own the show. He owns the show. You and me can leave. I facial hair like you guys get. So <laughs> Well, that was uh, pretty pretty awesome to have him on. And the stat or fiction, we totally love the fact that Stat Mando does that for us. It's very awesome. Um, but I want to say, without further ado, and I have to, I, I can't diss all of our other guests by saying this, but here we go. 
<laughs> the moment and the man so many have been waiting for tonight. I've seen it in the chat multiple times. Hey, is Jeff Spring been on yet? Is Jeff on yet? Is Jeff on yet? So let's go ahead and bring him in. Jeff, where are you at in this world right now? Are you up in Vermont? You traveling around still getting ready for the pro tour finale? What's going on? I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hopefully you guys can hear me okay. Um, but yeah, I'm down here prepping for the USDGC, which starts shortly, two days from now. Got the pay-per-view for that coming online. And uh, of course, for the Tour Championship, which is at uh, Hornet's Nest. And that's next week. So just like a really exciting end to the season. Uh, but thanks for having me on, guys. Happy to talk all things disc golf. Wow. Yeah, exactly. We'll get, well, I mean, shoot, we got to get right into it. You guys just released the Pro Tour schedule for the 2022 season. And I think one of the biggest things that people are noting is playoffs. Can you talk to us about the playoffs yet? Or is that something that's going to come out in the future? Well, yeah, I'm happy to talk as much as I can. You know, we have, have certainly um, heard a lot of feedback and a lot of excited people. Um, you know, this is something that naturally I think is the progression um, for our sport and, you know, with the PDGA uh, merger of the NTE and the Disc Golf Pro Tour, it was a perfect time and a perfect year to make it happen. Um, you know, we really worked the schedule hard to get back to Emporia. Um, the Pro Worlds date was set, you know, 10 months ago. And that was one of our biggest challenges. But then <clears throat> after that, we realized, like, listen, this is a perfect setup for the introduction of the playoffs because we're in Emporia. We literally have four off weekends before the USDGC and, you know, dragging the entire tour all the way up to the East coast per se, um, maybe, maybe challenging. And so, you know, the top athletes in our sport, I think that there's a little bit more expectation on them um, and, and getting them up to Vermont than to Massachusetts um, with just one week in between that swing. And then one week to USDGC, we felt like, Hey, these are all crucial, important events. We've been playing around with the playoff idea for a while. Um, and so just very much like the FedEx Cup, the fields will be limited um, and it will dwindle down. And we already have a limited field for the Tour Championship. So it all kind of fits in perfectly. So wow. how do you, how does one, I don't really know too much about the FedEx Cup, but let's say I go out and I'm playing all the Pro Tour events next year. How am I invited into the playoffs? How am I disqualified from the playoffs? Anything like that. Yeah, so it's all going to be based around Disc Golf Pro Tour points. And, you know, we've really focused on making sure that the points matter in order to get into the Match Play Championship, in order to get into the Tour Championship, in order to achieve a lot of the goals on Disc Golf Pro Tour seasons. Um, you, you need to care about points. You need to care about making sure that your positioning is great. So it's not necessarily just enough to show up and win a couple events, but you have to do it over the course of a season to really qualify. So um you know we will be releasing final details and there'll be a few elements but rudimentary uh snapshot of the of the playoffs is that if you are in the top you know certain tier of the standings you will have a chance to qualify for gmc um and then that field will get whittled down a bit to mvp um and then from there you'll qualify for the tour championship so um <clears throat> we don't have the exact numbers and all of the fine details but you know, simply put, and, and I put this out as a quote in our press release, um, we're, we're planning on 100, about 100 players uh, based on the top Disc Golf Pro Tour standings that will qualify for.
for the Green Mountain Championship in the men's division, about 50 in the women's division, which is pretty broad. You know, if you are a touring pro, you should be able to um, execute that. If you're one of the top 100 players, one of the top 50 players, you, you make it in. But from there, it would whittle down to 80 and 40. Um, again, working numbers, and we'll release all the details in the near future uh, for the MPB Open. And then from there, <clears throat> you know, you want to make it into the top um, echelon of the entire touring pro game in order to make it to the tour championship. And of course, you know, we put all of our tour bonuses, uh, we put all of our resources into making sure that the tour championship is something that, you know, gets a lot of attention. Um, it tracks some of the highest level partners um, in our game. You know, we have Guaranteed Rate, LL Bean, and Johnsonville coming on board. Huge shout out to Guaranteed Rate for being the presenting partner of this year's event. Um, <clears throat> but that enables us to do things like we we did with the $250,000 purse for this year, you know, quarter million dollar purse. Um, you know, that's what these partners are supporting is, you know, just a high level of professional competition. So we truly feel like, you know, we got the 32 best touring men in the world and the 16 best touring women in the world this year. And um, next year, you know, perhaps we'll go to 40 men, 20 women, you know, but these numbers are, are things that we have working groups on and, and we're gonna whittle down work with the players and announce that, you know, before the end of this year. But, but I mean, it's, it's just exciting. I think there's going to be a lot of storylines about, you know, who makes it into the playoffs. Um, and even if that's not, you know, necessarily going to be something that is extremely hard next year, we're, we're, we're looking at the future. Like we know that in five years, the top hundred pros are going to be much more, uh, competitive than than next year, you know, and so we're setting the stage, and we expect the players and the competition to rise to this level and create compelling storylines for the fans. And so we're just we're just thrilled to kind of roll out, you know, what the next phase of, of this tour is going to look like. And um, I, I I can't wait for the playoffs, honestly, already. Yeah, I'm just kind of like envisioning it in my head. I'm like, okay, what pro tour events do I think I can do pretty well at if I don't make it to all of them next year? And so then I'm, because, you know, my two favorite events to go to every single year are Massachusetts because it's my home and then Vermont because it's my favorite venue, favorite tournament, favorite everything. So no matter what, I'll be going to Vermont, whether I'm spectating it or hopefully I'm playing it. But um, no, it's cool. I, I do like the idea of it. I like the professionalism that is going from, look, these players are playing the pro tour, this is what they're doing for a living, to make it have that uh, prestige. Yeah, and I mean, you you bring up a, a great point, Nick, in that, you know, it's there are trade-offs, it's hard decision-making. You know, when we get to this point in the sport, you know, we're making hard decisions about, are we going to, you know, drive towards the next level and the next phase of professionalism? Or are we going to, you know, you know, maybe value tradition and community. And I, I, I don't think that there's a future where we're going to let go of any of that. But, you know, in, in decisions like this, you know, uh, I think we have to think about the professionalism and the marketability of the tour uh, professionally and to our partners and, and, you know, to our fans. You know, uh, the fans of the game, <clears throat> you are important to us. And we know that this is going to be you know, exciting for them to watch. It's going to condense storylines. It's going to create for better professional competition. And the trade-off is that, yeah, I mean, I, I already have heard from a lot of my, you know, friends in New England 
uh, like the disc golf pros around New England that like, are there going to be sponsor exemptions? Are there going to be regional qualifiers? <laughs> are there going to be, you know, ways around, you know, this, this policy? And, and yeah. all I have to say is like, let's, let's wait and we'll, we'll announce like the final, you know, format of these playoffs. But uh, I think at, at the end of the day, you know, this is a decision that kind of aims towards the future, aims towards the professionalism of the game. And while, you know, we're going to break hearts, I think eventually, you know, there are going to be those regional pros and those, you know, good friends, uh, you know, of the of the events that are, you know, going to evolve their roles and their, you know, kind of relationships with the event. Um, and, you know, I look forward to seeing Nick Carl who qualifies, you know, for the pro tour playoffs you. and, you know, then the pro tour championship or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking Sam Henderson is a local who's, who's performed great. You know, I'd love to see him. He's made his, you know, kind of his effort on the road before, but, you know, maybe we're, we're in the business of inspiring people to take this professionally for their career, yes. you know, and I think that this may help inspire more people. And, you know, what I can guarantee is that purses are going up. You know, the playoffs are going to be some of the richest events in disc golf history. And um, they're going to be at some of the most prestigious courses. And it, it just it just fits so perfectly. And, you know, I to me now the touring season kind of like really ends at the World Championship, you know, in Emporia next year. And then you go into the postseason in the postseason, you know, you come right down the East Coast. And mm -hmm. it, I, I think, you know, the partnership with the PDGA and, and the merging of the tours, you know, really allows us to be a little bit more flexible and, and kind of creative in this type of planning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so you said something a minute ago in relation to the playoffs that this has been something, you know, in the process, maybe for a couple of years, like just something you've thought about. And um, just curious, what other things are you thinking about for the future of the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Because the fact is you are forward thinking. Can you share, even though the fact that you might not have developed anything, like just some dreams that you have, because to me, and I'm not, I'm not anybody special, but like playoffs were not on my radar at all. And I think it's really neat and interesting. Are there, are there other things like that? Yeah. I mean, we don't want to show our hand per se, but, um, you know, we've got a, a lot of plans and ideas and some will probably come to fruition and, and some may be, you know, hit the wayside. But um, <clears throat> one thing that we certainly want to do is sustainably grow, you know, disc golf pro tour events. Um, we look at the PGA tour and we know that they happen every weekend. Um, we're a little bit away from that. But I think that eventually over time, you know, we'll create a format in hand in hand with the professional touring players feedback. We we make mistakes and we we hear about that. And, you know, the big thing is that we want to hear the professional players, um, you know, they're our heartbeat and, and we want to get their feedback and, and keep evolving with them in ways that, you know, work the best for, you know, their dedication and professionalism to the game. Um, so I, I mentioned that because more events, you know, it's really split. Some players say, yeah, I, I play an event every weekend and some players are maybe pushing themselves physically, um, to play events that maybe they would rather skip, but really, really don't feel like they can for their career. So right now we're looking at, <clears throat> you know, next year we have 20, uh, you know, uh, disc golf pro tour and, in uh, major events. And I think that that number will continue to grow but in a way that grows with player resources. Like we want players to have trainers, to take care of their bodies, to have managers and agents and, and have support systems where they're not just, you know, spending time on the road, figuring out how to get the stop to stop. They're taking care of their body, their mind, 
in preparing mentally for a routine that's repeatable. And I think we'll get there. And, uh, you know, that's all in the context of your question of what's next. I think more tour events. Can I ask? But in a sustainable way. Yeah. Can I ask this? Because the chat was really asking this. And I'm going to pose it this way. In the next five years, do you think we'll see a tour card? <clears throat> Yeah. So, the, you know, that's the next thing that I'd point to is that, you know, you're not going to have to wait five years. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll say that we've already previewed that, you know, we, we plan on, on having next year be Australia year where a tour card debuts, but isn't a true, you know, uh, only way to play, you know, um, in the future when the tour card is, is fully fleshed out. And, you know, this is something we're working on with the PDGA and is going to get vetted with the competition committee and we're going to go through the right channels um, but when, it, when a full tour card system is implemented, the only way to play on tour will be if you have your tour card, if you're a regional qualifier, if there, or if there's a sponsor exemption next year, there still will be, um, uh, a carve out for ratings based registration. And, and that's basically how it's been. It's been a tour pass, um, where if you qualify to register, you can create a, you can buy a tour pass for the whole year. Um, and then there's ratings-based registration. Um, what we implemented in the last couple of years is sponsor exemptions. And next year, we are going to be implementing regional qualifiers. So we're asking events to pick some uh, events in their region that happen before their event and to award some spots in the event to regional qualifiers. That's going to set up a system where, you know, we were talking about, you know, Nick wanting to play. And if, if, if somebody is, is not as highly rated or as skilled a golfer as Nick and not going to qualify through his own merit before he might, he or she might want to play a regional qualifier. And, um, you know, we're looking about like six to 12 spots over the course of three or four events. And, you know, if you are pro in the region, that's how you're going to get in. If you can't get in, you know, on ratings based qualification next year, or you don't have your tour card in the future. So we don't want to leave regions behind and it's always going to be great to have regional talent in the event. And I, I don't think we have to compromise that. That's what I'm saying. Like there's a compromise yeah. sometimes, but you always want to remember the community, the spirit of the game. And um, don't forget where you came from as you professionalize the sport. I mean, it's really important. And, uh, you know, we're connected to so many communities and, and we want to give back to those communities, but we want to also create opportunities for the pros in those communities that, you know, may want to try their hands. And, and I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be nothing but entertainment. So, but, um, the, the other thing I'll say, um, and in terms of your question, I think that those are two things, more events, tour card and registration process. The third thing I'll say is like, when there is a tour card, there's going to need to be a qualifying tour. And, um, you know, we definitely are looking at that. And so looking at, you know, if I'm an up and comer, how do I get my tour card? And so the, the those processes are being worked on. And again, our partners at the PDGA um, will consult, the players will consult, our team will put our heads together and like really vet out a process that allows people to qualify for their tour card in the PGA Tour. There's Q School, um, there's Corn Ferry Tour, and uh, I can picture, you know, kind of sim similar elements on the Disc Golf Pro Tour in your scum. I love it. It just, <laughs> hypes, me, it just hypes me up. Like, I, I, I love it. It, it. it motivates me as a player, not just content creator for the sport of disc golf, but as a player myself, knowing that I'm on the cusp of, you know, whether I'm in it or whether I'm out of it. And so now knowing that, like, two of my favorite events next year are going to be playoff events, that just makes the offseason for me that much more attackable of, like, look, if I do want to compete at my two favorite events next year, I have to go out and prove that I'm able to do that. 
And so, yeah, as a motivating factor, this is perfect. <laughs> awesome. Um, I was looking through the schedule and I was, I'm not doing detective work, but I'm like looking at, I'm looking at the calendar and I'm seeing back to back weeks, trying to figure out how it all played out. I can imagine that was a major juggling effort. Um, I did see something and maybe it's a typo or maybe I just, I messed it up or maybe it is what it is. OTB open. It appears to be Friday through Tuesday. Is that a five day event? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a typo. Okay. I looked at the dates. Uh, we'll, we'll if that's the case, but yeah. no, it's, it's, it's a three day event. It's Friday through Sunday. Okay. Let so. me just, let me just, you said it's a typo. I just wanted to look May 20th through May 24th. So no matter how you slice it, if it's three days, that's not right. Okay. It ends on the 22nd. So okay. <laughs> well, there you go. You heard the correction, the correction here first. <laughs> that's okay. And I was just like, I was just doing one of those deep dive calendar things. I was like, that's interesting. Um, all right, cool. Um, just generally, as you get ready to wrap up here in this conversation, um, we got one question from Stat Mando. They're in the house. We have them on the show often. So I'm going to pass it over to Evan, and then I've got one follow-up here. Yeah, I mean, uh, so as the schedule came out, we saw that there was two new events to this Golf Pro Tour, although one that was on before DDO. So DDO and uh, Texas State Disc Golf Championship came from the National Tour. What went into the decision to uh, take those events either over other ones or – or what brought those onto the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Yeah, I mean, mostly just how things fit into the schedule. Uh, we were at both events uh, with the Disc Golf Network, and and there was a good complementary, you know, kind of spaces for those events to come on. Um, the other two that we've already committed to on the Silver Series, the Beaver State Flame and the Masters Cup, we, you know, really considered, you know, adding an elite series, you know, for those events, but there's a combination of factors with the Beaver State playing. They haven't been on tour for a little bit um, due to just factors, uh, you know, relating to the pandemic here. Also the Jeff Middle, Jeff Haggerty have retired from the event. They have run the event for the past 10 years and um, they're handing it off to a new team. Uh, we're very confident in the team, but you know, with no live coverage, uh, it looks like available. And, you know, new team, year off, we're basically just working um, with that team to try to, you know, re-elevate the event. It's an amazing course. We want to get the best courses in the world. We know that Milo is one of them. Um, <clears throat> with Santa Cruz, you know, I love Matt, the TD there. I went out and met him. Um, but, like, they were also in agreement that, you know, maybe it's best fit to do a Silver Series. We do anticipate the final day going to the golf course, so we may be able to do live. Um, but they need to go through a few changes as well to kind of modify the event for the current state of the game. Um, they're considering an 18-hole layout over 24, you know, and, and will they be able to add some parkours? Will it stay all par threes? Will they combine some holes? And then there's a couple of holes that are kind of jammed together and in, in, in near the parking lot. And we are sensitive to just, you know, safety issues as well. And, and you know, they want to address those. So, you know, we're committed to working together with those two events to elevate them. But back to your original question, you know, we worked with the PDGA um, hand in hand to try our best to include the national tours that were on in 2021 in 2022. And, um, you know, it wasn't a requirement. We just know that they have experience with the PDGA at that level, um, that they're high caliber events. And, you know, um, an event like Delaware, we hope to see back on tour. I, I think that they kind of indicated that they wanted to take a year off or scale back, but you never know. They may, you know, start up discussions with us for Silver Series 
uh, but the early indications are, you know, that they they want a year to reset. And that's a big question to me, you know, going forward is you know, some events may be better off kind of rotating on and on and back. You know, there are, you know, more requirements than ever. There's more resources that you got to put into it and could, you know, for some events, it, it may be best to go on a two year rotation or, you know, like drop down, reprove themselves, reformat the event, get creative for the requirements that we're seeing coming up player only parking, tons of parking for spectators, whole different media, you know, environment, um, a lot of more activations on site with food, drink, spectator experience, a lot more activations in terms of player safety that we want to make and, and course safety. We want to modernize some of these venues and some of the venues may need to take a step back for a year and think like, are we at the right course? Are we in the right space? What can we do to evolve our venue and our events? to reach the new you know, standards. And I, I, I look forward to that. And I, I know that all the events do too, and this is gonna be nothing but a great challenge for the teams that are truly professional and motivated to stay on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Awesome. And we're gonna just about cut you loose, but we did get a super chat and we don't always cater to those. I think I know the answer, but I'll let you address it. They're asking, will there be a Sula Open on the Pro Tour, the Disc Golf Pro Tour? in 2022 and more tournaments in Europe in the future disc golf pro tour. We do see that the PDGA Euro tour has some of those events. Uh, is the disc golf pro tour looking to expand worldwide? Yeah, well, perfect. Cause you're hitting on all the topics I would, I would love to address. So perfect. Uh, rounding out the conversation with Europe is, is ideal. So, you know, as, as you guys know, last year we did have PCS Sula on our schedule and um, we, intend to uh, try to get back there. You know, right now, um, there's been a lot of significant shift, shifts at the at the structural level, right? We've, we've merged with the NT. Now, um, there is a new European Pro Tour that has, you know, announced and, and debuted. Um, and then the P, PDGA Euro Tour has just announced its dates as an eight-year tour. Um, and so we're, we're planning and excited to get over to Europe. And in fact, we wanna show many events uh, on DGN in the future and, and, and perhaps influence and, and contribute to a tour. Um, so we're kind of doing our due diligence right now uh, with the inability to get over this year. There's a, a lot that we wanna understand and learn and um, let the market like kind of speak for itself. And, you know, talking to some of the stakeholders over there, you know, from Latitude 64 and Dismania, UC, and some of our contacts, you know, they make it clear that the European market is, you know, in the process of maturing and a little bit behind the North American market. But at the same time, uh, we think our presence can help uh, that maturation accelerate. Um, we're excited to go to Europe. We want to bring the DGN and the DGPT to Europe. And um, we definitely will announce what our full extent of travel in Europe is um, by November 1st when the Silver Series come out. And uh, that, I'll leave it there. I, I can't say too much more as we uh, get into final deliberations. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes or no question. Is Celebrity Pro-Am happening again next year or this year, 2022? Oh, oh of course. Awesome. Yes. Great. Sweet. Of course. I have, we, I have uh, one last question. Okay. One ahead, last go, one, go. Nick. I do not have any more, Jeff. I promise. Nick will get his in and I'm done. <laughs> well, no, but... I've seen it. I've seen it in the chat a bunch and it's something that I'm curious of because I'm an advocate and I love cuts at four round tournaments. Are we going to see more of those happening throughout the year? Yeah. So as a rule, I think that you can expect a cut after three rounds for mm -hmm. all four round tournaments. Mm -hmm. Currently, the PDGA policy is 
at all eight tiers, competitors must be offered 54 holes of competition. However, this is one of the great areas where we're going to be having conversations with the PDGA. And, you know, I think that ideally um, we discuss whether or not, you know, at disc golf pro tour events for pro divisions, we can cut after two rounds for three round tournaments. And, um, you know, that that's all set. You know, I think there's an interest that we have in discussing it and there's pros or cons, but I think the rule in general was put in place to make sure you're protecting the competitor who maybe is giving up a weekend, who is not a touring pro. And it's totally understandable, but as, as we see the game evolve, there's there's different priorities. And uh, yeah. I think that discussion will be had. So um, we'll, we'll see where we end up, but uh, I'd like to think that there's gonna be more flexibility in the future. I do like I do like three round tournaments being able to play all three rounds. I definitely think, you know, for the people, at least in the past, who would say take off the weekend, they at least got to enjoy the full experience of it. But I will say for four round tournaments, for me personally, I actually love to cut after three rounds. You know, I think it it cuts down that field, it cuts down how long the round takes on the final day. Um, but anyways, I'll let you guys decide on those things. And we've got one man behind the curtain. I'm giving everyone their last question. Evan, what do you got? All right. You said the Pro-Am's coming back. Uh, are there any details on the All-Star event, whether in Arizona or not, and the match play, whether in Pennsylvania or not, or any other kind of special kind of tier events coming to the Pro Tour this year or next year? Yeah, great, great questions. Um, All-Star will be happening. A date will be announced before November 1st. We expect it to be in Orlando. We have a couple bids we're going through, but we expect it to be in Orlando and, and kind of bring the all-stars of Disney vacation this year in January. Um, but we do have a couple of bids that we're sorting through. So that's an early preview. Um, and stay tuned for final announcements. Um, the match play event will return and location is TBD. Um, we love the steel club. Awesome location. We want to keep working on that course. And, and there's a ton of potential that Maybe people didn't see in the match play there um, with the 12 hole layout, but you know, I know that um, there's a lot more that can be done and it's a very professional venue, um, but that, that there's potential to go to a different venue there. And there's a lot to be worked out on that one, but that should be announced by November 1st as well. And my thought on the celebrity pro-am is that we might do two a year. I mean, if, if Ben Askren, in Funky Farms wants us back, which he said he did. Um, we'll probably do a, the homegrown celebro there without spectators. But there is a vision of like a resort course and big spectating crowds for a bigger pro-am that could happen, you know, annually as well. So big there's party. some uh, insider info for the audience here. Big party, tailgating, hanging out, resort, amazing. I can see it and envision it. That's nice. awesome. Jeff, you've given us more than enough time. I think you've given us a little bit more than we even planned on. So I appreciate that very much. We'd like to have you back in the future as things, you know, un unfold and all that. We appreciate very much that. Um, I'm just going to let you go because I know if I say, do you have anything to say? We'll be here another 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks a lot and it, it is sometimes my fault that we no, I don't, no, 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 it's all bad. no it's all bad. <laughs> it's the nick and match right, thanks fellas it's the nick and match all you, right see you jeff time. all right all right out of here here we go that's funny i kind of not on purpose on purpose jabbed him i'm like i can't even let him get a like a goodbye message yeah. or else but 
Honestly, yeah, right. between you, me, and him, we could do a show for probably four hours, I think. I think we could get there. I don't know if my shoulders could take that. <laughs> Your shoulders. I'm just, I'm just like sitting here. Slouching. It's probably because I have awful posture. I, but uh, yeah, it's slouching down. I did not mean to call them out on a typo. I was genuinely like a five-day event. Like this is like really cool. interesting. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, that was a typo. Um, just generally also I'm looking uh, Jonesboro and DDO are back-to-back weeks. Um, but once you start August 5th, so put this down for next year, August 5th, you have Deglo, Ledgestone, Des Moines, and Worlds all back-to-back-to-back-to-back. So it's another, like, one, two, three, four, all of August. Were they really? Yeah. Uh, I thought there was a little bit of a break. No, Deglo and Ledgestone, there's, looks like there's a week off in between. Man, did I miss? Yeah. I went yeah, through but this But Ledgestone again. and Des Moines are back-to-back. Unless now. there was another typo. And then thought. two weeks before Worlds. From Des Moines to Matt, you're speaking right there. It's a typo. All right. Well, I'm going to go look how I messed that up. But I was going through the calendar. I found one thing. I don't need to find anything else. You guys can correct me. And on the other screen right now, I've got Jeff like smirking at me and it's driving me crazy. I'm going to put it up just so you can see what I'm having to deal with right now. Like he's like, Matt, nice. be done talking. He's disappointed in <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. It's like I have to clear the screen somehow. Hold on. I guess I can't yeah. even pay attention. There we go. All right. Um, shout uh, out. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see the release of the um, Silver Series because there were a lot of tournaments on the Pro Tour Elite Series side of it to where I was like, you know what, there's you know a week off here, two weeks off there, whatever. I'm excited to see how many Silver Series bump into that spot to make it almost like every single week players are playing a tournament. Yeah. Um, shout out to one of our biggest fans, Eagles Dad. Pat McMahon. He's in the chat. He was in the chat. Oh, nice. Pat, if you're in the chat still, or if you're listening, great meeting you at MVP. Good times. I really appreciated that hanging out. I got to throw with him, and I'm like, hmm, maybe I can keep up with Eagle's dad if I can't keep <laughs> up with Eagle. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, good times. Uh, he was out here on vacation with his son, hit up GMC and the rest. That's pretty cool. Um, Nick, Kristen Tatar. I think it's worth talking about. Is where oh, is she? I feel at, so bad about that. Where role. is she at in the UDIS rankings now? Does anybody know? Is she one I or think two? She's one. One. I think she should be one right now. And she's not able to come over and compete due to I would just say COVID regulations. They think that they met them. They planned ahead. They did what they needed to do in their understanding, and they're being told that they can't board the flight. Now, hold on. Stat Mando's raising their fingers. I just fingers said she's number air. one. Sorry, oh, she's number one. Yeah, <laughs> she's number just one. Confirmed it. I thought Barely we had breaking news. Barely. Okay. Um, so that's unfortunate. The pictures I saw, I thought she was even maybe bringing her daughter with her, or, or I'm just imagining that. But mm-hmm. that is completely unfortunate. Again, they thought they were meeting the guidelines, and it ends up not being the case. So they will not yeah. be at U.S. Well, throw pink. Was she going to qualify for the Pro Tour finale? Did she? Uh, I mean, I would hope so. She kicked ass on the Pro Tour. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. How because many she did she play, play all the events. She played some yeah, Silver Series point. and a couple of leagues. Yeah, I'll see if I can. Uh, Man, let's get that answer. Pro tour page. Oh, and I got it loading right now. All right. Evan's got okay, it loading. Cool. That makes it easier for and me. And as he goes to get that. She was 21st, so she didn't uh, She didn't make it. Oh, so she didn't qualify for I mean, it. Still is incredible because she so, came in first, first, third, first, third, first, first. Okay. Pro Tour events. So if she was coming over for throw pink, was that it? Like, or was she, I'm sure there would be other events or whatever, but maybe that was it. Um, all right. 
Uh, this is the final wrap-up, and I know we're usually cutting it off right now, but we had so many good guests. We had so much good conversation. I just generally yeah. want to end on this topic of, for some pro disc golfers, their season has ended. Like, they, aren't, they didn't qualify for USDGC. They aren't going to mm-hmm. play the Pro Tour Championship. And I'm talking about Nick Carl. <laughs> I'm talking about... You're not wrong, though. No, yeah, but I'm talking about a whole bunch of players, okay, like you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and others who you might've expected to do this, like what, what do you think they are thinking about? Like right now, their season officially, I mean, they might play a, you know, an A tier or a B tier here on the way out, but like their season's over. The people who didn't make that, what are they thinking in preparation for next year? What are you thinking, Nick? Uh, I mean, I have three tournaments left, I think this year, and then I'm done. And to be honest, I'm super excited to, Hopefully just finish out the season strong, maybe notch another win, um, maybe two, maybe three. That's, I mean, my goal is to win every single event locally that I go to. So, I mean, I would like to try to do that. But then after that tournament in November, um, I'm done for the season. And honestly, I can't wait for the off season just to, you know, one, kind of relax a little bit. I'll probably go home back to Massachusetts for like a week uh, for Thanksgiving or something like that during uh, the month of November. But I'm excited to get back into you know, a daily workout routine, uh, start eating better. I've already been talking with a personal trainer to get going on that. I'm going to talk to a nutrition guy to get going on eating healthier and doing what's right for my body. I've talked to Seth Muncy a lot about a bunch of different things. And so I'm excited for the, I'm excited for the off season because last year I had a really good off season. I, I put a lot of time into putting and it showed this year when I went out on the road, my putting's never felt better. Um, out of a lot of events that I played. Um, now it's just focusing on getting some more body strength and, you know, figuring out backhand form better, figuring out beforehand form better, just to increase all levels of my game, not just my putting. So, yeah, I'm excited for the offseason a ton, actually. Okay, so maybe there's a lot of players like you, and that's that's generally, you know, the take that most of them would give. Like, I like to just think about and say, like, well, like, what is actually going through their brain? Like, I didn't perform the way I wanted. For instance, actually, I'm not going to say his name. I don't need to call him out. I saw a nice live feed this morning or listened to it on the way to work because somebody was processing their season mm-hmm. and they were doing it on like Facebook Live before Facebook shut down today. Um, and they were processing, oh, this was my worst season ever. Like previous years, I made it to further, you know, and all these things that I was accomplishing and I'm not doing that now. The tour is ramping up so fast and everything from what Jeff Spring talked about to playoffs, you're going to have to qualify. It's going to make everything more competitive and players are going to invest more. And so if you are, and again, I'm not calling out anybody specific, but if you're the player who's just casually touring because that's your lifestyle, you're not going to make it. It can't, it is a lifestyle sport. I do believe that, okay? Uh, It's a lifetime sport. But as far as the pro tour is concerned, if you are just casually touring as a lifestyle, you like the van life, you like waking up, having, you know, your breakfast at at T-Pad 1 while we watch people tee off. And and I'm not, again, not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying, like, the sport is going to get to the point where you're going to have to take it as serious as any other pro sport if you want to compete at the top level. Um, The sport's big enough for everybody, 
but the pro tour level, I think there's players evaluating right now. Can I afford to keep touring the lifestyle? And I think we are going to start to see yeah. players drop off of that. And you will just see them start to hit random events here and there, but you will mm -hmm. see a core that are going to step up and it's just going to take the sport to the next level. So that's kind of my yeah. takeaway. Mm -hmm. I don't know for sure what everybody's thinking, but I was listening to one player in particular today and it just stood out to me that there's a crossroads for a lot of players. Um, that's mm -hmm. my take. Evan, do you have any closing thoughts on that? Well, I'm super excited next year for the first playoff event at GMC to have a hundred uh, players participating in it. I felt like a lot of, a lot of players were in like that 33 to 40 for the men and be barely outside for the women uh, outside of 16. Uh, next year, they'll get a chance to, I mean, they had a chance this year and whether they didn't, you know, plan and play all the events they could, or they just, you know, didn't do as well. But next year they'll have more kind of set playoff events to kind of, really get in the zone for and that's really exciting to see you know more people in the because the field's getting way more competitive so yeah oh god yeah yeah and and the reality is i just i saw somebody's in the chat say here like well i'm i think it was doc zen i'm glad i'm not a pro i'd never want to think of disc golf as a job and be waiting for an off season now here's the thing and i think this drives home the point perfectly there are players, and I'm not calling out Doc Zen, he's never toured, but there are players who are going through this same thing, and they're like, this isn't really what I wanted it to be. And those players can still enjoy the sport the same way Doc does or anybody else does, the same way I do, at a lifestyle, lifetime, a sport. I can do it with my family, I can do it with friends, yeah. enjoy it at the same level. But the players who are choosing to make this their career are a different, I'll say breed, they're a different level. They're taking this so seriously that honestly, they might not want to play disc golf in their spare time. Like this is their job. They've chosen it. They do love it, but it's a different thing for them all together. And Nick, just to put it out there, podcasting and talking about disc golf, we have made this part of our job. I've made it part of my job. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, why do I make things I like part of my job? Because it starts to turn into like a lot of work right now. Yeah. I love the it's show. Hard. I love the show. Yeah. It's hard not talking about disc golf in the sense of this is what my life is revolved around. This is, you know, the people that I hang out with are professional disc golfers. The people I talk to on a daily basis are people that I'm working with to try to create, you know, different things in the disc golf community. My co-hosts, we talk about disc golf all day, every day. Um, so sometimes, you know, I love playing disc golf. I'm obsessed with it. I, I love getting better. I love teaching people how to play better at disc golf. I love all things disc golf. But there are days to where, you know, in a tournament, if you have a bad round, you know, it's like having a bad day at work. And so it's frustrating in that aspect. Thinking about like wanting my offseason right now is probably not the best mentality. I want to win the next couple of tournaments that I'm playing. So I'm going to do everything that I'm capable of to try to win those tournaments. But there are times it's like having a bad day at work sometimes, or it's like having a bad week to where sometimes you just don't enjoy your job. And not that I'm on any level, like the top 25, 50, 75 players in the world at the moment. Um, I'm able to, you know, survive the way I'm surviving and I'm comfortable with where I'm at. Uh, but for players like that, yeah. You know, who are you talking about? Same thing, uh, you know, who did the live show or the um, live the video or whatever. Um, it's not, it's not always easy. It's, it's a dream job. There's no doubt. I went out to lunch day with some friends around here. We were talking about, we pretty much had a lunch meeting about disc golf and we were just talking about how it's, you know, it's a dream job, but it's also, it's right now, not the most lucrative 
job in the world for a lot of people. <laughs> um, there are some people in the disc golf community who have made this and they make an insane amount of money. But there are other people who are counting on that tournament winning that week to get them to the next pro tour mm-hmm. spot or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. And I, at my career job, is not disc golf. Maybe one day it will be. I'm waiting for just doors to present themselves because the reality is Mm -hmm. I've got a good job and do I love going to it every day? Sometimes. But like, it's it's incredible to hear players be like, yes, I got like $400 at this event or I made $800 at this event. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. man, like, it's it's a grind. It's a grind. So that's where we're going to end on. I think it's just interesting to talk about it. We're not at the end of the season, but we're right around the corner. And I think we will process this even a little bit more at the conclusion of the finale, because we're going to interview the players, hopefully who won that. We'll talk to players, mm-hmm. hopefully who competed well at USDGC and Nick, unless things change between now and our next show, we're supposed to be having a conversation with chef Andrew Zimmern, uh, tremendous inspirational man who has let disc golf change his life. I'm going to get his reactions. We'll get his reactions on USDGC because he is a super fan of the sport. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, is yeah. October, I think, 11th is when we're recording that. Um, again, unless mm-hmm. that changes, I have to deal with their, like, I don't know, his assistant. We're having our people <laughs> talk to his people. Yeah, That's exactly. What it's down to. All right, Nick, we've made it to the end. Let's close it out. Cool. Hey, everybody, we appreciate you coming on the show live tonight. If you're checking us out live on YouTube, go ahead, leave a like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Foundation Podcast. We try to go live every single Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern to anyone listening post live. Uh, leave a review if you can on um, whatever podcast platform. We should be on all on we should be on all the major podcast platforms. So go ahead, leave a comment, review, however it works on those. Anyways, Nick, tell us what you love them this week. Who's your pick? Huh? Who's your oh, pick? Who's Make pick? it quick. Uh, for for throw pink, it's going to be Haley King, and for USDGC, Paul McBeth. Okay, I'm going with Calvin for USDGC. And I'm going with That's Paige cool. for Throw Pink. I think it's going to be an incredible year, though. I don't think it's going to be a blow away right. for any division. Tell someone you what? Awesome. Tell someone you what? So tell someone you love them. <laughs> we'll catch you in the next one. All right, Nick, you're awesome. Thanks for coming in, Evan. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel. 